And good evening, everyone, or good morning, or good afternoon, whatever the case may be around this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition, to another weekend, a very sterling, historic, amazing, once-and-a-half-century weekend to the other side of midnight. That magical time between dusk and dawn where anything can happen, including uh, technical glitches and uh, people like me getting dates wrong and not communicating well and all that. Tonight, yes, we have him with us. The one and the only Neville Thompson is literally waiting on the Skype line all the way from pre-pre-dawn in the uh, Green Isle of Britain. And we'll bring him on momentarily. Uh, I've got several things to update you on, so let's swing right into it. Um, At the top of the hour here, we have news. If you go to, if you're new to the show and you need to get to our webpage, which of course is really important, we're, you know, we kind of started this as a kind of a pioneering experiment, something called radio with pictures, because many, many years ago when Art conned me into doing this, he said uh, very brightly one day, why don't you get a webcam? We can both be on television together as we do the show. And I said, are you nuts? And that was the end of that discussion. So, um, because I believe radio should be radio. Radio should be audio. It should be the sounds in the night. Um, many years ago when we had open lines, I had a, a woman on and as she was you know, asking a question or making a comment, whatever, in the background, there was this incredible evocative train whistle which instantly brought to mind a chapter in Carl Sagan's book, uh, Cosmic Connection. Remember, he was a little kid brought up in Brooklyn. He used to stand out in an open field and spin around opening his arms trying to do a John Carter and teleport himself to Mars through consciousness when he was just a little kid. Anyway, he wrote in Cosmic Connection a whole chapter called Night Train to the Stars. And it's because he, like me, just resonates and responds to night train whistles. And sometimes here in the Land of Enchantment, across the valley on the other side of the Rio Grande, uh, in the summer particularly, if the windows are open, you can hear the trains and their whistles and their night trains to the stars. Anyway, um, if you're new to the show, you go to theothersideofmidnight.com. You click on tonight's banner which says very brightly in red underneath uh, the Neville Thompson story. And Neville, of course, is cringing when he hears that because he doesn't think like none of us think that our stories are interesting. And my attitude is that every story is interesting. Otherwise, why would we all be here simultaneously at the most critical, stunning breakpoint in modern human history, which literally begins this weekend with the launch of Artemis One, and that, of course, is going to be the three hours of tomorrow night's show, but tonight is kind of a prelude because while we have not been back to the moon for like half a century, literally, it's been 50 years since Apollo 17 left and returned for the last time in half a century, uh, we're beginning it all over again with a brand new uh, mission uh, program name mythological connections, and a stunning database that we now know, and I'm going to lay out tomorrow night for three hours, the astonishing breakthrough earth civilization shattering 
paradigm-shattering stuff that's waiting for all these very naive, very earnest, very um, upfront NASA people who have no idea. I mean, it's so obvious. They have no idea the doorway they're about to open. So speaking of doorways, uh, that's the featured banner tonight. You click on that on the main page that will take you to the guest page. And right under the guest page, you'll see uh, where it says fast links to items, uh, the duplicate of the banner at the top. Click on my name, Richard, and that takes you to my items in Radio with Pictures. As you can see from item number one, um, in the summertime at Cape Canaveral, weather is always a problem in the summertime for launches. Uh, thunderstorms, convective cells, and there are all kinds of mission rules that you can't have thunderstorms within so many miles of the pad, and you can't have lightning within so many miles of the pad. This was put in place after the astonishing fact that uh, Apollo 12, uh, literally on the way up, was hit by lightning twice, twice, and everything went bluey, and the crew was literally completely dumbfounded, and uh, we almost lost them right at that point. So after that, NASA initiated mission flight rules that say if there's even a thunderstorm thinking of forming, you don't launch. Uh, I'm, I'm being a little extreme, but they got really super uh, conscious of thunderstorms in Florida. Kind of late, but better late than never. Anyway, so if you click on that link, that kind of gives you an up-to-date status of the Artemis One unmanned launch of the most powerful rocket since the Saturn V, which will send um, an unmanned duplicate of the uh, Artemis uh, command module, a bigger version of the Apollo command module, same conical shape, but much, much, much more room. I mean, when they actually put people on this thing, which will be in a year and a half or so, uh, it has room for a galley and a gym, to say nothing of a private bath. I mean, how far we have come in 50 years. Anyway, um, the unmanned version uh, launches Monday morning at 8.33 a.m. Eastern uh, Daylight Time. Now, I'll say right here and now, and I'll make this a firm prediction, uh, that it's not going to launch on Monday. But you got to get up, you know, if you're on the West Coast, you got to get up three hours earlier, you know, like it's 5.30 a.m. Uh, one of our our colleagues is out there, not in D.C., where he normally hangs out. So he's going to get up. Actually, the, the coverage on NASA television begins even earlier, like a couple hours earlier. So uh, um, for those of you who are really intrigued with this idea of opening the doorway this time not to ever close it again you might want to get up and, and uh, catch the pre-launch show all the networks all the cable networks they're going to be covering this 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 is as uh, the president said to uh, barack obama many many years ago it's a big effing deal and for totally separate reasons that it looks like almost nobody in nasa except those in the deep 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 no, I'm not going to say state. I'm going to say interior of the agency. I think know what's waiting. I think that's why a whole bunch of things have suddenly kind of fallen into line. And I will explain all of this enigmatic stuff tomorrow night. But tonight we're going to do the prelude with Mars. And tonight we're going to Mars uh, and then back to the moon tomorrow. So, um, again, that's item number one. That, will, that blog, by the way, if you want to bookmark it, that gives you almost now hourly updates the, the countdown started uh, 
this afternoon. It's a very long, very complicated countdown of the most complicated rocket that NASA has put together since the Saturn V and, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Even when you test them a dozen, two dozen, three dozen times, something can go wrong. So this is a flight that's going to be stressing all aspects of the spacecraft, the hardware, the rocket, the uh, command module, the escape system, the uh, autonomous navigation. I mean, really, this stuff may look superficially like, you know, Apollo form follows function. If you're going to an atmosphere, you got to be conical shaped. If you're a ballistic reentry vehicle, et cetera, et cetera. But believe me, what's on the inside is half a century more advanced than Apollo was. And you need to keep in mind as you're following this mission, which is going to go on for six weeks from the launch on Monday morning, uh, six weeks, 42 days before they splash down uh, just off San Diego. And about half the U.S. Navy goes out to pick them up. That last part is a lie. There's going to be one cool ship which will literally hover over the uh, floating spacecraft and will bring it aboard, uh, unlike the way it was done 50 years ago with Apollo. Um, now, I, I, when one wanders through these discourses, one has a tendency to kind of lose your train of thought. So the, the launch manifest says very forthrightly again and again and again that this test flight, this Artemis One launch, which would be the most spectacular launch since, uh, well, since Saturn V that I was so incredibly to see in person I think I was able to see three of them uh, three miles away from the launch pad there at the um, uh, press center, which is located just to the right of the vehicle assembly building, that huge, biggest cube in the world with the uh, NASA logo on the side of it. Um, so, yeah, watching a Saturn V launch in person and feeling, as uh, Cronkite described it in the booth, the low, rhythmic, resonant, pounding of his chest because of the low frequency sound waves. I mean, that was a 6 million ton booster, 6 million pound booster lifting off on seven and a half million pounds of thrust. Well, this rocket, when it takes off, will have 8.8 million pounds of thrust. In addition to the four uh, R25 engines, uh, liquid fuel engines burning underneath, there'll be the two solid rocket boosters igniting simultaneously. It will be spectacular. It'll be an 833 launch. And my prediction is it will not take place on Monday. They will go on Thursday, the 4th of, uh, I'm sorry, four days later, the 2nd of September. And uh, I kind of laid out uh, last week why I feel this is going to happen. And it'll be interesting to see if it happens as I predict. If it doesn't, I will readily admit my mea culpa, and we will move on. But I really think that it's not going to go until later in the week, which will give you more time to kind of listen to and digest the astonishing stuff that I'm going to try to cram into three hours tomorrow night. Wait till you see. Um, I often say that with all this going on that, uh, you know, these things will knock your socks off. So I strongly recommend that you, uh, you got a day, go out and buy extra socks because you're going to lose them. I guarantee particularly when you see the CIA involvement, which I can now document with specific numbers, their involvement decades ago, totally 
unsung and unspoken and uncovered by the press, the CIA's deep involvement, which I can prove with the moon. And that opens up an extraordinary uh, can of worms and a tale to be told and all those other well-worn cliches. Anyway, um, item number two in uh, Radio with Pictures, right under the uh, weather remaining favorable for the launch tomorrow. I'm sorry, Monday. Um, Stephen Bassett, who is my friend and colleague, and I've known him for decades, and he has been the kind of lone UFO lobbyist in Washington for literally decades, um, you know, traipsing up to the hill, talking to whoever would listen to him, doing a lot of media from Washington, including Fox. He's one of the few people that I know that's been on Fox quite a few times. Um, Stephen Bassett, this weekend, uh, starting today, is being profiled in a very, very, very mainstream, very well-read, it's like everybody in the in crowd in Washington reads this, when it comes out, Washingtonian Magazine, a full four-color glossy thing in in hardcover as well as on the web. And we are very fortunate that he sent me a link. So if you want to see a profile of Stephen Bassett and uh, how he got into being the only UFO lobbyist for the last several decades in downtown Washington, he up to and including ran for Congress from Maryland some years ago on the disclosure platform. Well, it's all coming full circle and literally two days away from the Artemis launch where we formally begin this extraordinarily interesting process of returning humans, Americans to the moon. Uh, Washingtonian Magazine just coincidentally does a very long range and very detailed profile of our friend um, friend of the show, Stephen Bassett, who is, by the way, not in Washington, so he is going to have to get up at the crack of dawn to see the launch on Monday morning. And if I was really, really confident in my prediction, which is not based on, on science but on mythology and ritual, um, I'd just tell him to you know, roll over and you know, set the snooze alarm for another two hours. But I can't do that because when you're dealing with humans and you're dealing with politics and you're dealing with... Uh, free will, the, the folks that be that are kind of modulating all this stuff behind the scenes, they can change their minds. And then they'll find a really good excuse to tell us, uh, well, they won't tell us. They'll just do it, and then they'll make up something about why they decided to kind of obviate the ritual this time. And anyway, we'll be able to talk about that in much more detail next weekend, because remember, the artist mission is going to go for six weeks if the hardware works the way it's been advertised. And so we will have successive updates on weekend shows. I'm not going to devote the entire weekend, you know, for the next six weeks to Artemis, uh, but we will certainly, if they wind up doing some of the things that I'm going to talk about tomorrow night in the way of verification on live streaming HD television, the astonishing things that await uh, everyone then obviously we will focus some of our attention in the coming weeks on what they've done, how they've done it, how they are going to claim, oh my God, look at that. We never knew that was there, which of course I can prove will be a lie tomorrow night. Now, back to uh, Radio with Pictures, item number three. 
just in the same time frame that Artemis is going as a kind of a uh, Pathfinder mission in this retrograde orbit looping around the moon for up to uh, 42 days, the SOFIA Flying Observatory. Did you know that NASA for the last several years has had a flying observatory neatly put inside a 747 called SOFIA? And if you want to know what SOFIA stands for, it's an acronym. It's basically an infrared observatory. And uh, I happened to glance at some of the stats uh, yesterday evening when I was putting this up on, on the site. And I did not realize this at the time, but remember, the, one of the huge mainstays of American science and the incredible revolution in astronomy and space science at the beginning of the 20th century was George Ellery Hale finding the money and then building the world's largest reflecting telescope on Mount Wilson, the 100-inch reflector, which is firmly anchored in concrete and bedrock and has been looking at the stars and taking photographs for literally uh, well over 100 years. Well, it turns out, and I didn't realize this because I hadn't looked in a long time, the SOFIA telescope, the infrared telescope in the 747 that flies around the world and looks at various phenomena that can only be seen from, let's say, Australia or the skies over New Zealand. Uh, so no American observatory on the ground could possibly see it. And, of course, uh, orbiting spacecraft would fly through the geometry of what they're looking at much too quickly. SOFIA can be on station kind of orbiting around an, a spot over a, an empty ocean. The mirror, the telescope mirror for the SOFIA infrared telescope is 100 inches. So in a century plus, we've been able to take the technology that is sitting at the top of Mount Wilson, make it portable, make it light enough to put in a 747, I can't believe I'm saying this, and fly it anywhere in the world to look at all kinds of things in deep space uh, for years before Hubble, uh, not Hubble, Webb, came online. I'm going to do that for a long time to come. I, I want to warn you, I'm going to mix those two up. Because, in fact, the Webb telescope is being managed and operated by the same Space Science Telescope Institute that manages and operates Hubble. So there is a seed of the confusion there. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of Webb, um, they made their first detection of a gas that Hubble has been looking at in exoplanets for, you know, like a decade and has not been able to find because of the relative smallness of Hubble compared to the extraordinary size of Webb. I mean, uh, Hubble has an eight-inch mirror, eight-inch, eight-foot mirror, and Webb has a 21-foot mirror. Um, and thereby, you know, the, the detection capability, the sensitivity goes up the square of the reflector diameter. So you can see that Webb is approaching with you when you look at detector efficiencies and new instruments and all that, Webb is about 100 times better as a telescope than Hubble, 100 times. So they pointed it at a distant, uh, uh, what they call a, a hot Jupiter, which is a planet about the size of Jupiter, that instead of orbiting at Jupiter's distance from our star, which is about a billion miles, this orbits just a few million miles and whips around in just a few days. So they pointed Webb at this star system, 
which is about 700 light years away, I believe. And lo and behold, the infrared signature, the spectral signature of carbon dioxide popped out immediately. Just bingo, there it was. And I was talking with Chandra Wickramasinghe this morning via Skype. I mean, can you imagine? You can literally sit here in my den, in my library, and I can call anybody on the planet. And if they're awake, I can get them on the equivalent of a video telephone and just have a normal chat anywhere around the planet. I mean, we couldn't do that 50 years ago. We could go to the moon, but we couldn't talk to somebody in Borneo or Thailand or England at the crack of dawn. So uh, Chandra and I were discussing this, and I was pointing out, because as you said last weekend, uh, we're going to put together, we are in the process now of putting together a proposal for NASA. It's got to be in by the 15th of September, so we don't have a lot of time. we got a little less than a month. But he sent me the outlines this morning of the proposal, and because I've been so maxed out with getting ready for tomorrow night, I didn't even have time to look at it, but uh, he was very amiable, and he was so intrigued that I'm really pushing this, and uh, what we need are some volunteers. We need some science volunteers. If you're a grad student, if you've got a, a major in astronomy or in engineering or in space telescopes, there aren't many of those around. Uh, I'd like you to contact me through the other side of midnight because we're putting together a team. This is never done these days by one person. We will have if they accept the proposal. And if you read some of the links, and I'll put those up uh, probably next weekend, it turns out that they have radically changed their whole proposal methodology for soliciting interesting science from astronomers and university folks, and even citizen scientists in a way that wound up um, with one of the proposals uh, being accepted sight unseen because they're, they're done now in a totally anonymous fashion. So the review boards in, in NASA at the Space Telescope Institute, they don't know who's submitting the proposal. They don't know if they're you know attached to Berkeley or Harvard or they're working out of a garage. I kid you not. It's totally, totally, totally anonymous, and the decision as to what gets about 6,000 hours of web telescope time per year. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but it goes like snow on the sun side of Mercury. You've realized that, of course. So they have to allocate those 6,000 hours, and in this case, um, a proposal came in to look for 24 hours accumulated time at the Trojan asteroids that lead and trail Neptune by 60 degrees because they could be made of very, very interesting and weird stuff. Just like we've got a uh, spacecraft mission called Lucy, which is headed out to the Jovian Trojan asteroids uh, located 60 degrees ahead of Jupiter in its orbit and 60 degrees behind. These are the Lagrangian L4 and L5 points uh, scaled up, of course, uh, from the Earth-Moon system where we have gone into great detail about the Lagrange points in the Earth-Moon system over and over and over again and how Webb is kind of orbiting around L2. Anyway, this proposal came in to use incredibly valuable and limited, remember 6,000 hours in a year, uh, web time for 24 hours to look at and to detail the composition and other attributes of the Neptunian Trojans, which orbit the Sun 60 degrees ahead of Neptune in its orbit and 60 degrees behind. 
And then when the proposal was accepted, only then and only then did the committee and everybody else find out that the proposal had been submitted by a 22-year-old graduate student. She's not even a full-fledged PhD. She's still working her way through college, and her proposal was so damn good that NASA accepted it sight unseen, which is a critical part of the process, which makes me think, and I said it to Chandra this morning, because remember, he was kind of like Debbie Downer last weekend. Oh, they won't do this, and oh, they won't do that, and oh, they'll cover this up. And I mean, I, I totally agree. That's been the NASA of old. But there's a new NASA, kind of like the Phoenix being born. And you can see these little green shoots of the new NASA being born. And we're going to really, really, really see the test of this model when it comes to how they're going to talk about and provide us the stunning video evidence from Artemis of what's really waiting on the moon. Now, you know they've been kind of doing this with Mars, except they haven't told us what's there. The most amazing things are being photographed by the rovers, both Curiosity and Perseverance, and yet they put them out there, they give us raw images, and they never say a word about the astonishing, obviously artificial stuff. I mean, so obvious that everybody and his brother and sister and and uh, you know fiance can look at the pictures and go, oh my God, that's artificial. Everybody on the planet, like 99.99%, and we actually ran a survey when a few weeks ago this incredible Martian doorway became public, courtesy of our uh, colleague and guest tonight, Neville Thompson, and NASA ultimately had to put out a gigapan and had to put out stills and had to put out color, and then they put out their stupid, absurd, ridiculous, you've got to be kidding, nonsense excuses for what it is. It's a door. On Mars, remember the uh, old Apache saying from uh, the country in which I'm living, uh, it only takes one white crow to prove all crows aren't black. Well, we've got a flock. We've got hundreds of flocks of white crows all over Mars and the moon. And for half a century, NASA has resolutely refused to even touch seriously the idea that there's anything besides rocks in all these amazing and increasingly uh, improved quality images. They just ignore it. You know, the old maxim is if you don't acknowledge uh, what, the, what the hoi polloi are saying, maybe they'll go away. So my item number five, um, courtesy of uh, Ron Gerbron, who will, as I said, be joining us in the third hour tonight. Ron found, after I posted this very large image of the door, which came directly, Neville, by the way, from your Gigapan, uh, the only one that really allowed us to see the fact that on the left side of the door jam, there is a pillar, a beautiful square geometric pillar with a pyramid on top. It's pointed kind of like a miniature Washington monument. And all up and down vertically, there are hieroglyphs. The resolution isn't quite good enough to tell us what they're saying, even if we had a bilingual and we could translate from uh, Old Martian into whatever Earth languages we might want to apply now. But Ron found this extraordinarily tall totem pole in, the, um, uh, in Central America, a Mayan totem, which is covered with carvings and faces and hieroglyphs. And you know, I'm kind of using hieroglyphs as the generic 
kind of like hieroglyphs really are Egyptian, but I'm using it like we use the term Kleenex. Remember, Kleenex used to not be just a brand name tissue in a box. It was, it was, uh, it got generalized to where you say to someone, hand me a Kleenex. And even if it's a store name, it's still, quote, a Kleenex. So by metonymy, um, the, uh, the, uh, the glyphs and the language on this totem, this Mayan totem, I'm terming hieroglyphs as a kind of a significator of an ancient language which most of us can't read, but which obviously has detailed information encoded in the figures and in the letter forms and in the geometry. By going to Neville's uh, Gigapan and doing a little bit of, of, uh, of uh, enhancements, because there's, there's always more signal, uh, we see a stunning close-up version of the doorway on the left of my item number five, and on the right is the totem with the glyphs on it that uh, uh, Ron found. And again, he'll be talking about his new find between last week's show that we planned with Neville. And uh, due to circumstances beyond both our control, he was unable to be here. Uh, so we kind of punted and did open lines, and that worked out really well. Well, tonight we're going to get a chance to talk to the man himself. And we're literally at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to postpone until we come back, um, the Neville Thompson story. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and I've been joined by a little furry friend. We shall return. Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, to the other side of midnight for this Saturday. August 28th, two days 
before the launch of our 50-year return to the moon. And tonight our guest is Neville Thompson. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Neville uh, in a moment. But I wanted to pick up on one item that I did not get to in the uh, period uh, before the break. And that is what came out of my conversation with Chandra Wickrama Singh. Remember, Chandra is probably the preeminent astrobiologist on Earth tonight. Decades ago, he and his colleagues found, between the stars and the interstellar dust, the unequivocal, scientifically unequivocal signature of little frozen microorganisms, countless trillions of them floating between the stars as part of the interstellar dust. And what do you think happens when those clouds of dust sweep through extraterrestrial solar systems around the galaxy? Billions and billions and billions, if not a hundred billion other Earth-like worlds where if you drop the right little beastie in the pond, it evolves and grows and thrives and someday create spaceships to continue the journey out. So we were talking about what would be required for life and how you would detect it using web to look at spectral signatures. And that's when he kind of dropped a little bombshell on me because he said, well, he said, we were talking about the carbon dioxide found in this hot Jupiter by Webb just a few days ago, 700 light years away with that incredibly tall and very incredibly high signal level uh, spectral signature there in my item number four. He said, well, you know, of course, that carbon dioxide is an indicator of, of life. And there was this long pause in the conversation. And I said, what? He said, yeah, like oxygen, you know, because of the uh, chemical imbalances and thermal equilibrium and non-equilibrium and all that, exothermically, you really only get carbon dioxide, not carbon monoxide with one carbon, but uh, carbon dioxide with two, because of a process that is basically a living system, processing of the gases into uh, ultimately combining them, oxygen and carbon, into carbon dioxide, which means floating in the atmosphere of this hot Jupiter, 700 light years away, there might be some kind of living organisms. As well, there might be on Venus. Remember the flap of a year or so ago about maybe phosphine being an indicator of ancient life on Venus or current life? And of course, the predominant uh, component of the Martian atmosphere is carbon dioxide, CO2. So what Chandra, who again, remember, is the prominent exobiologist, astrobiologist in the entire solar system, as far as we know, um, if you see a lot of excess carbon dioxide, it basically could be a fossil relic of ancient life where the carbon dioxide is currently hanging out. And the best is yet to come.
Neville Thompson currently resides in County Durham in the United Kingdom. And he says um, he began reading everything he could way back when, when he was just a little kid growing up in ancient history, uh, Egyptian, Roman, Greek, Indian, Sumerian, learning about these histories and trying to understand what had actually taken place in humankind's ancient past. So much has been lost, or he writes, deliberately hidden from us. Intentionally or unintentionally, that's kind of the art form which we're trying to figure out. In 2011, he created the group Alien Life, focusing on images from the Apollo missions and the unmanned Mars rovers and landers, uncovering artifacts and structures that, in his opinion, and he's got a lot of experience, could not possibly be, he says categorically, of natural origin. In 2012, Neville was contacted by Jose Escamilla to enhance images from the Clementine unmanned lunar mission for the film Celestial. He currently administrates the other Space and Mars Anomaly groups on Facebook. In these groups alone, the membership is over 113,000 people all around the world. And the number is growing and growing fast. He also supplies these groups with gigapans from the Mars Curiosity and Perseverance rovers. In fact, uh, in total over the years, Neville Thompson estimates that he has created over 6,000 gigapans of official images from NASA, from the moon, from Mars, and even a couple of other places in between. So without further ado, Neville Thompson, come on down. Hello, Richard. <laughs> oh, it is so great. It is so great to finally meet you because I've been, I've been meeting your work over the years. And I've got to say right up front that of all the people that are doing the citizen science work, um, who are doing, you know, public gigapans based on the raw image data that NASA in their infinite wisdom releases but does not make any comments, uh, you have been among the leadership because for one thing, there are other people out there who do really good work, and we won't mention their names tonight so we won't embarrass them, but they don't get the color right. They keep buying into the nonsense that Mars is this horrible, icky, making you want to vomit, butterscotch, you know, green, yellow, when in fact it's just like Earth. And there's all kinds of science that where we can, and I've done this endlessly on the show, we can prove that Mars looks like Earth. It looks like the incredible red rock country that I live in that Robin used to love to uh, take long drives that we would go to Flagstaff and, you know, go past all those incredibly ancient red rocks between here and Northern Arizona. And it, if you landed and didn't know where you were kind of like, uh, what was that famous movie with, um, with uh, OJ Simpson uh, Capricorn one where NASA, you know, fakes a mission to Mars because they just can't make the technology work. Um, you would not know, except for the gravity uh, being different. Gravity on Mars is about one-third the uh, gravity here, so you would have a very interesting uh, spring in your step. But otherwise, it would look, uh, without the spacesuit, just like, uh, like Earth. And you're one of the few, Neville, that seem to get that idea that, you know, you don't put out these awful butterscotch, idiotic, you know, projections. You put out the real data, which is nicely white balanced to look like what it really looks like. And, and there's a whole bunch of other scientific data, 
which I can bring forward to uh, to document and to buttress that argument. But you, from the beginning, have been doing the real science, the real presentation. And I got to say, um, this whole doorway thing, just, you know, pun intended, was a doorway to a whole new way for an awful lot of people to look at the NASA data coming down from Mars. So let me start going way, way, way back. Um, Neville Thompson, this is your life tonight. How did you get into all of this? And at what early age did you get obsessed with ancient history, both terrestrial and beyond? I think it was um, oh, way back when I was about 10 or 12. Ah. My dad bought a book by um, Eric von Dannegan. Oh, my Terry God, yes. Gods. Yeah. And then um, my dad f- finished reading it. And he says, oh, here's a book for you to read. You might find it uh, quite good. And, um, I couldn't uh, put it down, you know. It was absolutely brilliant, you know. I loved it, loved it. And then over the years, I went down the old second-hand bookshops trying to find more of his uh, books, you know. I've got most of his books now, and I think he's brilliant, you know, excellent. I love his work, you know. Um, but from then, um, I, um, I got the, the, the internet in and, and, and that, and then... Um, I thought, like, I never really, where I live, it's like a small village. And then... Um, oh, you're like me. You're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm living at the top of a big hill, and there's no one else around us. <laughs> no. Um, but, um, no, there was no one else around that was into, like... So you had no one to talk to at the age of 10 when you found all these astonishing... Uh, no, uh, no one. No history one. and data that that von Donigan was writing about, and you know, of yeah. course, he was incredibly controversial at the time. Oh yeah. You know, but his books were international bestsellers, which means a lot of people, not the gatekeepers, but just ordinary folks, uh, really kind of resonated, and you were one of them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I used to read all all sorts of books. There was someone else that I used to read all the time. Uh, it was supposed to be a Tibetan Lama called Rapsi um, Lama Lama uh, I don't I don't know his name, but it was a um, a Tibetan Lama who wrote books, you know, and <laughs> oh, it was good, it was good, um, but I was always reading stuff that no one else really was interested in you think so that's really the foundation for becoming a citizen scientist and as i've always said you know my only claim to fame is i'm a generalist i know a lot about a lot of different things some of them not too much just enough to get by at a cocktail party for maybe an hour or two but it's it's having a curiosity and of course now with the internet and google and you know back then it was really hard unless you you know, haunted libraries or secondhand bookstores. But now almost everything, if you're just persistent, you can find it somehow online. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can find anything online. You know, I mean, I'm I'm on the Internet (laughs) 24-7. I don't don't have a telly in the house. I don't watch uh, normal. I don't watch uh, television at all. I'm just constantly doing pans or on on the Internet, you know. 
Um, there's, a, there's a load of rubbish on telly anyway. So, so uh, what kind of, from the age of 10, you're doing this whole reading thing, what kind of more formal education did you wind up going to what we call gymnasium or, or high school over here? Yeah, I went to, I went to the normal schools, went to a, um, just the normal uh, comprehensive school, you know. I didn't really, um, I didn't really have high high grades or anything. I um, I did have an interest in drawing and painting and stuff like that. So wow. I went to co- I went to college. I um, I got a degree in art and everything. Uh, but so but, that's where your ability to see things comes yeah. from. Like yeah. Andrew Curry, who is one of our uh, resident artists. He lives in Canada. He does, uh, uh, you know, work for Hollywood for commercials and films and all that. He does storyboards and, you know, yeah. lays out, you know, plot outlines and all that incredible visual form. And we're having him for our own Mars book. We're having him and Keith Laney do a series of graphic novel vignettes, which he's yeah. really good at. So your eye for seeing that this stuff could not ever be natural came from your art inclinations. Oh yeah, I think people who who um, who are, are are artistic can see better. You can see slight differences in in tones and colours and things like that. You can see when things are being erased over or or hidden. You know, you can see fine details that um, normal people. Well, I'm not, I'm not seeing normal <laughs> Can't see them. I love I'm that. Not seeing no. them. I'm not seeing them. I'm well, you know, them. there was an actual scientific study by the Boeing company many years ago. This is long pre-computers because uh, they needed draftsmen. They needed people who could basically take uh, a 3D computer, uh, not computer, but, uh, uh, you know, a blueprint model yeah, and turn it into hardware. And that requires an ability to take the 2D diagrams off the blueprint and in their minds transform them into 3D. 3D. It turned out from their formal study that one-third of the population, this is not just Americans, it's all over the world, one-third have this capability. Another third can be taught how to do it. They can be trained. They can be educated. They can kind of open up their inner artist. And one-third is hopeless. They they just cannot see 3D geometry. And to them, what we see are instant artifacts they just see as rocks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when I was, I mean, this could be just me imagining, well, it is me imagination, but usually when I was lying in bed and you looking at the curtains, there's a pattern on the curtain, you would see different shapes, you would see faces and things like that, you know, and then you would wake up in the morning and try and find them and they'd be gone, you know, so yep, yep. That's, that's your imagina- imagination um, working, you know, but then... Um, the thing is, you've got to, when looking at the Mars images, you've got to try and not do that. You've got to try and try and show that they, they are actually there, not just in your imagination. You know, you you find something, you leave you leave it for a while, and you go back and you see if you can see it again. Mm-hmm. If you can see it again, other people will will be able to see. I mean, I've got thousands of images that. Um, Oh, many times I'll look at an image and I won't see anything and I'll come back and I'll begin yeah. to see this and then that. And then finally it kind of all bursts. It's, I, I'm, I'm really still grappling yeah. with 
Is it because it's so hard or is there something in the human psyche where we have been programmed not to see this stuff? I don't know. That could be. I don't know. It just could be. It could be that, yeah, yeah. The thing I hate is when people find stuff and then they color it in. Oh, the idiots. Oh, my God, yes, yes. I I think, right, if it's, if it's there, you will see it. Don't color it in. Show us what you're seeing. See, what you're doing, and of course, uh, there's a handful of us that do this, you know, is you're mixing the art, the imaginative side with the science, yeah. which is yeah. it's got to be reproducible. You can't yeah. add frills. You can't add filigree. No. You can't no. Victorian Baroque it up. Otherwise, you lose the whole point. It's, it's there in its naked beauty. You just have to yeah. understand how to see it. See, the thing is, when I make the pans, I could enhance, really enhance it up so things would show up. But there's not only people who are looking for things, there's uh, people who are uh, like geologists and that who are looking at them as well. So you can't over, you can't over enhance them. No, no, of course not. Because I make them for everyone. I make them for everyone to use. And then... Um, so you got a degree in art, like people who get degrees in philosophy or yes, fine art yeah. or whatever, in architecture, and then you found out that in the job market, there's not much of a call for artists. So no, what, what no. did you do? There's not. There's not. I ended up working in a in, in an office in a reception. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the time, well, at least it wasn't the mail room. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but actually, I have worked in the mailroom because from us. Did you ever job, see that you know? movie, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying? Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the actor. He's a brilliant actor, young actor, kind of short. Um, he has uh, he has uh, Parkinson's now, and he's working on on a cure for Parkinson's. He's uh, set up a whole foundation. But he starred in this brilliant film, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, in the 1950s, and it tracked him from the mailroom where he become a senior executive or whatever. It was it's hilarious, a wonderful film of, of corporate America and how the most improbable entry can wind you up succeeding if you know that you want to do something. Right. Well, I'll, have to, I'll have to download that. It's on that thing called the Internet. Yes, I know. There's lots of things on the Internet. Yep, yep. I mean, I'm, I'm an avid, avid co- co- collector of movies and Films, old TV series. So, the whole so, so, so you wound up working for because we got about ten minutes to the top of the hour, and then I want to swing right, to the data. Sorry. So you wound up yeah. working for corporate, whatever. Yeah. And 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 what is your current day job, or do you have one? Yeah, I have a current day job. It's um, it's I work from home. I work from home, and I go to the place where it's a, it's a little shop up in the village where we print uh, canvases. Things like that, you know, people come in with photos on the phone and they want their uh, canvas made of it and stuff like that. Just to oh yes, yes. Well, so your your passion has become your profession. Oh yeah, yeah. See, I work with I I, I deal with the PC side of it. I, I I work with the images. I enhance them up and make them bigger and stuff like that and pass them on to the um, the person who prints them. You see. So many, I'll, I'll many, work. many years ago, Robin and I went to a little town here in northern Arizona, 
northern Mexico called Madrid. And he found a gallery where someone was doing a technology transfer into these very large canvases. They were able to take a photograph of a uh, pictograph, like a Native American, you know, rock carving or whatever. And, And we saw one we wanted, and they transferred it, this genius his name was Woody. It was his gallery. Um, he transferred it from being like two or three inches high to where yeah. the canvas hanging on the uh, living room wall, uh, which yeah. was behind Robin when she did her last video, um, it, it measures like four feet high. And right. it, it's stu- the transfer, the technology transfer, it's like you had a piece of this little uh, carved Indian icon on the rock. And now it's literally hanging on dominating one wall of the living room. That's the technology that you do. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, I've, I've had. Have you ever uh, done any of the Mars stuff that way? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got a big. uh, Really? I've got got a comes with Mount Mercury on the living room wall. It's about three foot long. It runs across my back wall. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a, um, a science mu- museum in Canada con- con- co- co- contact us about using one of my gigapans for a new um, area they were Oh, making. how wonderful. And, um, so how expensive is this transfer? Because I, I wanted to have some other things done. And right? for one reason or another, we never... We never followed through. You know, the life is filled with noise. And every yeah. once in a while, you get to do the thing you want to do. And the rest of the time, you're taking care of housekeeping. Oh, so, yeah. and uh, at the time, it was very rare and expensive. Pretty penny for this. But it, I look at it, and I realize that this would make this incredible NASA reality so visible to so many people if you could basically make it a, a, a viral thing where it became an art rage. It became the talk yeah. of the town. It became... You know the latest fad. Yeah, they have Mars images on your wall. Or yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, I could, I could, I could, I could do it, you know. But we only print up to a certain size. You see, we don't do like huge wall sizes or stuff like that, you know. Uh, could you could you do them as mosaics? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. So, so you can make a small one, and then you can make bigger, bigger. Um, side panels and ultimately build out to those would cover a oh, whole yeah. wall. Oh, yes, yes, easy, easy. So how yeah. complicated is the technology now? Because this was like, you know, 15 years ago that we found this and, and I had to have it. And it's very symbolic. Uh, you know, it's got redolent symbolism, um, yeah. which goes all the way back to Sirius. You know, can you imagine right. Native Americans were inscribing oh, on yeah. rocks, you know, ISIS? Yeah, and ISIS is supposedly, you know, Egypt, just Egypt. Right. right. Um. Yeah, we um. <clears throat> yeah, you can have it done. The it's not very uh, hard to uh, do, really. You've just got to make your image the size of the the canvas you're gonna print on, you know. But the the image that you ha- that you start off with can't be really tiny. You've got to, it's got to be a decent size, or you know. Um, otherwise, you just get a, a blurred. Oh, thing. it has to have a certain resolution. It's like it's like any yeah. other imaging technique. Do yeah. you do you take orders? Could people send you an email? You know, because we have listeners all over the world. We're in 
190 oh, yeah. some countries. Yeah. So if they send you an email and say, hey, Neville, could you make me a big wall mounted version of this? And they send you a pretty high res picture. Could you do it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, but next, to your, could... next to your bio, we yeah. have a link to uh, we have two links, your main website and your Gigapan website. So there's a contact email on your on your main website, right? Yeah, yeah. So if people want a kind of special order, how much does this kind of stuff cost? It costs, uh, <clears throat> I would say, something about that size, about what, three foot by two. Would cost you something like mm, over a hundred pounds. You know, I would have to work out the exact cost. It's it's not me who works out the cost. You see, so that'd be like one hundred and thirty bucks. Yeah, about US. that. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That's not much at all. Hell yeah. You can you can spend $130 on nonsense. This is immortal. Yeah. Because yeah. remember, all this stuff is going to be incredibly historic. There'll be oh, a time yeah. when people go, how did you know? How did you get that on your wall? How did you get one of these rare Neville Thompson prints before everybody was, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 I could do it. Yeah, just. Wow. Well, I may be one of your I may be one of your first customers because I have a couple of artifacts. If Kinti is listening, she probably has her her uh, her selection to Enron because I would love to have something uh, of your technology hanging on the wall before everybody gets in on the act. And now we're coming up to the top of the hour, so why don't we pause there? My guest this morning for the first couple hours is Neville Thompson, who has created over the uh, course of his uh, life and. I'm not quite sure exactly how young he is, but uh, he's been around the block. He's done all kinds of other things in addition to art, and now he's doing the thing that he can do so well that he loves doing, which is to transform art into things you can hang on your wall, and they are almost immortal. And Mars and the moon and other wonders of the solar system can be ordered directly by simply going to his main website and following the, the links there. Anyway, um, we're talking with him tonight for the first couple hours. What we're going to do is to uh, uh, do a quick break here at the uh, top of the hour. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We'll be returning with Neville and the description of how he got into creating Gigapans. And of all things, Gigapans from Mars when we return. This is from the uh, soundtrack to The Martian. I had an email from a, a good friend and colleague the other day and a fan of the show, and she said, how did you know? That's my favorite album. I play it again and again. Well, this one's for you, kid. Midnight.com. 
Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, on this Saturday night, August 28th, from the land of enchantment, just two days away from the first launch window for Artemis One. God, you guys, you got to pay attention tomorrow night. This is this is a major weekend. This is our paradigm breakthrough weekend. Uh, the Washingtonian Magazine has done a major, major profile, a very serious profile of our uh, colleague and friend Stephen Bassett. The winds of change are in the air, and God knows when they get to the moon with Artemis, are they going to finally, after half a century, show us the stunning, unbelievable, mind-boggling wonders that have been waiting for us for 50 years to return. And so tonight we're returning to our guest, Neville Thompson. Neville, how did you wind up going from fine art through the corporate ladder, through you know doing things that we all have had to do over the years to basically keep body and soul uh, in 3D? How did you wind up doing gigapans of another world? Well, I, I, got, the, I got the internet in 2006, and I just started wandering about on 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 the um on the on the different sites and uh joined Facebook and came across um a group on there and saw what people were posting and then thought, Oh that, that's good. I found out where they got the images from and it was a nightmare trying to trying to <laughs> trying to work out what image joined with what and and where about it was because they where? never list the damn original data mm. i don't know what it is about people on the web they think if they they steal an image from nasa which of course is yeah. is you, you can't steal it's public domain yeah. and and they yeah. post it and they do weird things and they post these youtube videos and they put weird music and they never list that where you can find the original image like this is this is replication 101 yeah. Obviously, these people is, were falling asleep in school and never realized that if you're going to make anybody, if you're going to convince anybody of anything, you've got to show your work. You've got to show your sources, and they don't. And it has been so frustrating because, you yeah. know, every once in a while I'll find something really interesting. Like the other day, 
I said to Ron, I said, can you find me the original? I said, I think it's a Perseverance uh, a mass cam image. It's got the right color and all that. It's got to be probably in the last month or so. But the idiot who put it up there, who, by the way, it, this is a website routinely that does fake stuff. I mean, he's, this guy's yeah. passing off Utah with music as Mars. Oh, crazy, crazy, you know. And I, I, I'm wondering if a lot of that is not very carefully supported under the table, uh, Neville, because if you raise the noise high enough, the signal, the real incredibly ancient extraterrestrial reality of artifacts littering these landscapes will be lost on most of the population because all you have to do is prove that one or two are faking it. And then by, by uh, you know, bad association, everybody gets tarred with the same brush and it's yeah, all fake. True. And I think that's yeah. by design. I think the deep state has been doing this for decades so that because they can't suppress it. But what they can no, do no. Is, is bury it in the noise so no one pays attention. Yeah, there was a video the other month or something I watched on YouTube, and it had these stupid deserts. So I went, I took a couple of the image of the video, found it. It was a, a desert in Mexico. Yeah. That he was trying to, trying to say it was Mars, and I... I wrote in the comments, this is not, you know, Mars, this is Mexico, you know. But then you still get other, other people writing in, oh, this is brilliant, this is excellent. And I'm thinking, oh, how we managed. Yeah, Stop exactly. It. You know, you, you basically wonder about the intelligence of the human race when you see yeah. people who have no discernment, no. Well, you know what the problem is, Neville? I don't know what it is in terms of educational systems there in England, but here education has gone to hell in a handbasket. We don't yeah. teach kids anymore not how to figure out the world. Or as I'm yeah. fond of saying, how do we know what we think we know? And there's a process, and anybody can do it. You don't have to have a degree from Yale or Harvard or Caltech. But most people are never even taught at any level of grade school or high school or, God help us, even college. So they look at this, they look at the finished product on YouTube, and they're just kind of wowed with – oh, this guy really spent time and he put really cool music with it and it lets yeah. my imagination, it, it really doesn't matter to them if it's real. It's the springboard to unfettering their imagination yeah. in a world where increasingly people are fee feeling hemmed in like they're in prison. And in a yeah. sense, they are. So how do, you, how do you teach rigor to people who do this? I, I don't know. People just believe anything that they say now on YouTube or anywhere else, you know. They don't question, they don't think, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if that's real, you know. They just think, oh, wait, it must be real because it's on YouTube. Somebody's posted it. You know? <laughs> well, you know, that it was the same attitude like 30, 40 years ago where, oh, it's in the New York Times or the Washington Post. It's got to be real. It's in print. They wouldn't <laughs> lie to us in print. And, of course, we know they've been lying about all kinds of things. But there's a way to tiptoe through the tulips to figure out the lies from the, the half-truths and the real truth. There's a process. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to so really strain the process tomorrow night. Oh, am I going to really, you know, again, everybody get spare socks because you're not going to have a damn sock left in your sock drawer when I'm done tomorrow yeah. night. Right. right. So anyway, back, back to how I started making pans. Anyway, so... 
it was a nightmare trying to find out where the images came from and joining them up and stuff like that. So you so, were not part of any Mars community. You weren't really part of the web. You didn't know about JPL raw images. You were basically a, no, a, no. I was basically just you were a newborn uh, babe. Oh, you poor yeah, kid. Oh, I, <laughs> I start I a start lamb among the, the wolves. I'm gonna say I started off from the 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 bottom, but. Everyone's learning anyway, all the time. Everyone's learning, no matter how famous you are. Everyone's learning stuff, new stuff Absolutely. every day. And everyone doesn't know everything, you know. We know, we probably know a bit about this and that and the other, but not everything. So I still class myself as a learner, really. I've been doing it for maybe 12 years, but I'm still a learner. <laughs> I've been doing it for 15. I'm still learning. God, am I, I, as I'm putting this thing together for tomorrow night, I discovered this incredible set of documentable CIA links to the moon. Can you believe it, Alice? Lovely, lovely. <laughs> oh, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow your socks off. Get spare socks. I warn you. So anyway, so you, you had to basically do it by trial and error. Take us through the steps. How did, how did a novitiate come into this wolf's den? of all kinds of fakery and outrageous claims and nobody lists any original images. How did you find your way through the labyrinth? I don't know. I just I wondered where the raw images came from. I think one day somebody actually posted a link to one of the images. Oh, my God. <laughs> that must have been then, Keith Laney. It must have been. Because Keith Laney is one of the few who does know how to do the science. And I, I love his work, all except... Remember, he's worked for NASA, for NASA Ames. And I I think it's because of his NASA connections that he simply insists on the stupidest, baddest color. Because that's not what Mars looks like. That's what NASA wants us to think they look like. And I was at JPL when the word came down from Fletcher, the NASA administrator, to make all the Mars pictures forevermore red. Deliberate political, you know, twisting of the data for political reasons, for suppression, yeah. for censorship. And he still goes with the NASA color. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it either. The NASA color is horrible. All you've got to do in Photoshop is press one button and you get the natural color. You know? Do you know how, <laughs> do you know how we know that that's the real color on Mars? It's a very simple, elegant, scientific engineering reality. Yeah. Most of these spacecraft that we've landed, you know, like Sojourner, and the Pathfinders, Opportunity, and Spirit, and, and, and yeah. the others, except for Curiosity and Percy, which are running on nuclear power, they're all yeah. powered by solar panels. Yeah. And solar panels do not like red light. Okay. Their efficiency goes to hell when they're exposed to only red light. It's the way photons and electrons interact in the, in the silicon you know, chips that make up solar solar cells. So the reason that you can take a a, a solar panel that you created on Earth, that you've tested in the Mojave Desert, send it to Mars, and the damn thing works just as well, if not better, because the Mars atmosphere is thinner, um, it could not work with that by the numbers, by the engineering curves and numbers, unless the light from the sun streaming onto Mars was essentially the same sunlight the streaming here on Earth, and the red color sky is an artifact of their fantasy, their deliberate yeah. political 
fantasy to make Mars as unappetizing as possible for the general yeah, public. Well, the red color hay, the, the, that stupid orange color, it hides everything. Hay. Every, it's supposed to. Agitation, the whole lot, you know. But you know, and Ron, of course, can talk about this in the third hour, and I learned a lot from him. There are ways with what they're putting out there, the data. They don't eliminate the data that's real. They mask it with other data. If you can yes. filter out that other overlay, then the yeah. real, incredibly colorful Martian landscape and artifacts and metals and chromic paints and all this pop out, and suddenly it's a rich, familiar, ancient terrestrial landscape because that's what it used to be. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. Sometimes when I get the colors right and I'm looking, I'm thinking, my God, that's lovely. That's gorgeous, you know? Mm. Um, but um, the things that come out when you do change it, I mean, you can find all sorts of doorways, there's heads, there's all sorts of statues, there's buildings, a whole lot, you know? I mean, it's amazing. You've just got to look closely and um, find stuff, really. That's why I made the pan. So people, instead of going from one image, one single image to the next image, they've got the whole images together where they can scan the whole area in in one. And it's an easy place to go to do that. You know, they can save some snapshots and things well, like that. Well, we live in a 3D world. We look around and we see context. You provided with these yeah. gigapans crucial missing context for this yeah. data. So instead of looking through a soda straw, you're looking through wide-angle lenses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this started in, in 2006. You're feeling your way around. Somebody yeah. finally posted a link to an image. And when yeah. did you find the NASA archives? <clears throat> when this, this, uh, the, the link to the old NASA site, because it's totally re, redone it now, um, to the old NASA site where you could download each indiv- individual image, which I had to do, download each individual image, and then join them up. So how and, did you uh, feel when you finally found the, 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 the magic doorway? Oh, I was... Amazed, amazed, <laughs> you know. I mean, I was, I was making a pan, and um, I seen it. I thought, what, what's that? So, <clears throat> I normally Skype with another, another person um, every night. And I don't know if you heard of her, Martin Greeny. I normally um, talk to her every night on Skype, and I, I seen this, and I thought, that is amazing. So I shared it with her over Skype. And she says, oh, my God, that's, you know, that's excellent. That's brilliant. You know, I mean, there has been other people who found it and posted it, but only posted the black and white. You know, mm. I converted it to the color and made it as sharp as I could, you know. And then, um, I mean, there's two, there's two views of it. There's a view from one side and a view from the other side, you know. But um, you can see this. A doorway, you know. I mean, everybody was trying to. Um, well, we we, we, we ran we ran a poll here, and ninety nine point nine nine percent of people, and they range from luggage carriers to waitresses to contractors to plumbers to airline pilots. Yeah. Everybody says it's a damn door. 
except for the NASA people. Well, there's other, there's other doorways. There's other faded out doorways you can see. If you look along like a, a butte side, sometimes you see like squares and you think, what's that? There's a wall it's, to the right of the door. There's yeah. a beautiful wall. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere, everywhere you look, there's hieroglyphs, there's writing, there's pictures and all that that have been faded out, that have been erased, you know, it's the history of, I mean, a picture can, a, a, a picture is a, a thousand words, you know what I mean? Yep, yep, a picture, of course. You know, and, and to hide all that, you're hiding the history of Mars. Well, have you hide- wondered, like I've wondered, and like everybody on our team has wondered, how you can have all these incredibly bright, imaginative, uh, talented people at JPL, like yes, maybe a yes. thousand people, and we're the only ones that see what they're photographing. How I the think, hell does that happen? And how do they not say anything? I know. Wait, it's it's the same. So it's the jobs. The jobs gone, isn't it? But everybody has revolutionaries in their midst. I know. I know. Look at Snowden. Eric Snowden worked for the National Security Agency where if you get out of line, they kill you. And he broke cover and he made things public and he opened up the whole deep state. And and how come nobody, these talented, brilliant young people at JPL who are looking at this every single day, and it's so obvious it's artificial. It's made by ancient humans when we used to live on Mars. How come not one of them? calls a press conference with a thumb drive and says, look at this. This is what they've been keep. Not one of them. To me, this mm-hmm. has become the most important question of what yeah. I've been doing this now for half a century. Why doesn't one of them have the balls? I can say that on late night radio to simply <laughs> tell the people who are paying for all this stuff, the truth. I don't Not I don't one. All it, all it takes is, <clears throat> I mean, if the no, if like, Normal people come up and say stuff, they'll just think, oh, wait, no, it, it's not, you know, it's something else. But if enough people who have got, um, who are known around the world come together and start seeing stuff, maybe they might. There's more, more of us than them by a factor of a million yeah. or what. And on the, all right, so let me ask a serious question here. You've been doing this now till 2000, since 2006, yeah. and you've been getting increasingly better and better and better and you know, if there's yeah. ever a, a, a question, I go to a Neville Thompson fan because I know you're going to lay out the truth the way Mars really is. You don't over sharpen. You don't over enhance. It's, yeah. it's, it's almost as good as being there. Yeah. What has been your public reaction over the years? Public reaction over the years is when I first started, it's, there was only a certain few groups doing this kind of thing, you know, like looking for stuff. Now, my God, you've got 30 to 40 groups, thousands more people finding the same thing. Now, when people see the same thing, it's not by chance. No, of course okay? not. In the, in the sciences, no. we call it independent confirmation. Yeah. 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 I mean, <clears throat> there, is th- there, there is more and more things showing up in the pans. Well, they're think, showing us more and more. You know, many years, are you familiar with something called the Brookings Report? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Brookings at the back in the appendices, they had a recommendation. They basically said this was 1959 when this thing was written by a whole you know, group of eggheads. We used to call them eggheads over here. 
and submitted to the government, to the Eisenhower administration, which then bequeathed it because uh, Eisenhower didn't take his papers with him. And when he went back to his golf courses, he actually left them in the White House for Kennedy. And Kennedy sent them over to the Congress, the 87th Congress. And that's how we have a, a book called the Brookings Report. That's the shorthand name. It's got a longer formal title. Anyway, in Brookings, it said, we need to educate the public for the next 20 years, the next generation in what's out there. And so there's been this increasing curve. They don't say anything, but you've noticed it. I've noticed it. Ron's noticed it. All of our team has noticed it. They, now there almost isn't a photograph where there isn't a damn artifact somewhere in the photo, but they don't say anything. They just put the images out there and they're letting us do the work which is what Brookings recommended. They said there had to be a grassroots up, a culturization of the population to where when it's finally revealed, instead of freaking out and going, oh my God, the Martians are coming to kill us. People will just say, oh, I've seen all that stuff. What's Kim Kardashian doing? I mean, I think at the beginning when the rover landed, we hardly really seen so much. But now that we're getting closer to the city in the hills, uh, oh, you mean you uh, mean you, you mean Gale City? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's sitting up there on the crest, and they're yeah, not there yeah. yet. But even the distant yeah. images were stunning. All those yeah. pyramids and walls and buildings, and nobody except us notices. If I didn't I know. know better, I'd say, you know, what was it my grandmother used to say? Um, the only two people in the world I can trust are me and thee, and sometimes I'm not so sure about thee. <laughs> she was very Victorian. <laughs> it sounded yeah. Um yes, I think the closer we're getting, the more they have to hide. And these little things that we are seeing is they're they're, they're thinking hey, that's nothing compared to what we've hidden, you know. Plus I think people are leaving stuff in as well, so we're slowly getting used to seeing things, you know. I mean, it was like a few years ago. They never said there was more. They said there wasn't water on Mars. Mm-hmm. Now the same. Now the same. There is. There's a big underground lake in the North South Pole, and something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gradually getting drip by drip. We're getting the truth, you know. But um, what's going to happen when people land on Mars? Are they going to suddenly come out and say, oh, look, oh, we found this. After, what, 30 years of being, being on Mars, oh, they've suddenly found this and that and the other, you know? Crazy, crazy. Why don't they just come out and say it? It's not going to change. See, the it's not so much it. why don't they come out and say it. It's like, how do you control a whole bunch of incredibly creative people who yeah. are not there by accident? They planned their careers. They wanted to be in space from the time they were kids. They read... They dream, they, yeah. just like you and me, and they wind up working at the center of the storm, and they see all yeah. this stuff, and they don't say anything. How does a normal human being do that and go to bed at know. night and look at themselves in the mirror and not say, I, 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 I'm, I'm doing something immoral. I'm doing something evil. Yeah. I'm keeping you know, humans' real heritage and real history and real, you know, uh, origins, secret. Yeah. For what reason? Yeah. For a job? I know. For crazy. a paycheck? It's crazy. I mean, 
<coughs> truth is worth more than money. I mean, I hope NASA contact me and ask, ask, ask me for a job because I'll just leave everything in. And just <laughs> you know, but uh, I wouldn't, uh, to me, I this wouldn't has be... become the biggest mystery. And yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out tomorrow night when I do the moon thing. I've now found unequivocal official NASA data where they have vigorously suppressed what's really on the images. Oh, Unquestionably, yeah. they've supp- and that means they had to know what they were suppressing. And that yeah. was back to 2009. There's a mission to the moon called La Crosse where I can prove. But they're, they're so dumb at suppressing it because they didn't suppress the right stuff. Yeah. They made yeah. it look like they're suppressing it, but the real data is literally peaking around the edges of what they've done to overlay over what would yeah. be the most interesting parts. And I'll lay yeah. all this out tomorrow night, and there's, there's no doubt that they've been suppressing it. The question is why, and why doesn't somebody who, who winds up on the inside take one look at this and say, I can't be part of this. They do the honorable thing, which is they resign with a great deal of fanfare and public, uh, you know, uh, approbation, and they hold a yeah. press conference in the world of the internet and social media. It will be all over the world in, you know, six tenths of a second, and nobody's doing this. I know. Crazy, well, it almost raises the specter that they're all somehow. This is going to sound woo-woo, you know, woo-woo. That they're all mind controlled. That's something, it's like, it's like they're put through some kind of program to where, you know, those are not the droids you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody um, who works here, I think, I think the people um, don't, really, don't really see what's going on. But there's only, there's only a handful that know exactly what's there, you know. Yeah, but, if, if, every, if, 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 but Neville, if you're in the trenches... And your job is to drive the rover or your job is to, you know, do the imaging processing to put them up on the yeah. website. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you have yeah. to look at these images day after day after day and you see all this stuff and you wound up there at JPL because you had an interest in history and in yeah. architecture and archaeology and geology and astronomy. And so you're not a, some dumb clock. You're there because you wanted to be there. How yeah. can you not see it? And at that point, how do you not make the human decision they're suppressing the most important breakthrough in human history that will liberate everybody and everything on the planet? How do they morally yeah. go to bed at night and not not be able to sleep? Crazy, crazy. Like some of the images from Murray Buttes on some of the hills, you can see the foundations of buildings. They're not hills. They're ancient collapsed buildings. Yes, yes. Huh? Yeah, you can see the square outlines of buildings and things like that. You can see, like, rooms and things like that. It's, and nobody said anything about it, you know, apart from people who were trying to say things, you know. But uh, it's just amazing the amount of stuff. Well, one thing, one thing that I've thought of, and I remember I've, I've kind of gamed this out in a million different ways, is that they're all in, indoctrinated with Brookings which that if it's made public too soon, civilization will be destroyed. If you really, you know, how many people would want to be responsible for the death of civilization if a whole bunch of high-pressure eggheads, you know, at Harvard or or Caltech or whatever told you 
that you could be responsible for the death of humankind. Who would want that responsibility? So is that the way they're keeping good people with good inclinations in check? Well, there will come a time, but it's not time yet. Just be patient. We're working our way to where we can tell people, but we're not there yet. And if you do your job and do it well, you're laying the foundation for when everybody can know. So it's basically, you know, the, the white queen in Alice in Wonderland, jam yesterday, jam tomorrow, but never jam today. Okay, we are at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning is Neville Thompson. In a half hour, we're going to be joined by uh, uh, Ron Gerbron, and we're going to have a really intriguing open-ended conversation. We're playing more cuts tonight in our breaks from The Martian, my new favorite, favorite album. And I was so disappointed. I have not seen the movie yet. I've seen trailers, and someone said to me the other day, well, why don't you watch the movie? And I said, because... It's just the same NASA story jazzed up with geopolitical stuff, and they're pretending to be on a Mars that does not exist, which is a pale, ghostly echo of the real, extraordinary, intimate, deep connection with the formation of homo sapiens, of human beings. Are we, as we are now on Earth, and as we originated, literally, we're, we're crafted on Mars. Is the hold maybe religious? What if we found out that humans were not made by God, but by something or someone else? Is that the taboo? You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. A lot more with Neville Thompson when we return. The other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Support the broadcast and don't miss another groundbreaking conversation. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com.
haunting, as haunting as the reddish deserts of the planet Mars. Welcome back, everyone, to the other side of midnight for the Saturday night here in the reddish rocks of the Land of Enchantment in the place that uh, really does look an awful lot like Mars. I think that's why Robin loved it so. And when the Geographic came out some years ago to uh, uh, video me for a, a documentary, uh, we took them up north of here, about halfway between Albuquerque and uh, uh, Santa Fe. And on the left-hand side, out in the, the deserts uh, off 25, there's this canyon that looks so eerily like Mars. And it's got the same blue sky overhead that we know that Mars has. And, of course, that opens up a huge can of worms, Neville, because the atmosphere of Mars... They've been lying about the atmosphere for the last 50-plus years. And then again, how have they gotten away with it? I saw an official JPL video the other day by someone who has a degree in meteorology, and she wound up becoming one of the Mars rover drivers, I think, uh, both on Curiosity and Perseverance. And she's sitting there prattling away about how neat it is, and we do this, and we do that, and we have the 3D, and we got the lasers, and, and... She's looking at the Martian images and the sky, and nothing in her meteorological background looks at those images and says, but wait a minute, what I'm seeing is impossible if NASA is telling the truth. She's a professional degreed meteorologist working with this data day after day after day, and she doesn't see this incredible incongruity that what she's seeing is completely at variance with the reality of the real Mars as opposed to the lie that NASA has been talking about back since Mariner 4. How do you mind control someone to that degree to where they can be involved and excited and interested and creative and working out all kinds of engineering problems and moving the whole program forward and they don't see the huge fundamental schism between what they're seeing and what they're being told. How does that work, Neville? I don't know. I mean, a normal person... Well, you're a big help. Gosh, I thought you'd come on and, you know, give us the truth tonight. (laughs) How did they do... No, I'm I'm, I'm being facetious. To me, it's like we're, we're lone voices in a wilderness that for decades have been saying, look, look over there, look over there. And nobody is paying attention because we're not... Remember that old thing with Chevy Chase, you know, Saturday Night Live? He'd look in the camera and he says, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. Well, NASA has got everybody in the world bamboozled. We're NASA and you're not. And if we don't see something, obviously what you're seeing is nonsense and fakery and you all need to wind up in uh, Bellevue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we can see it, then somebody who's, who's working there is bound to work it out, you know, that... There must be that, you know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't got the answer. Unless, it's, it's, it's and I, 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 I don't raise this as a my first inclination, unless there is some incredibly sophisticated technology which basically allows people to think they have free will, and at some level, on some subjects, they simply don't. It's ultimate, 100% effective mind control that makes you think you're in charge and you're not. 
And how do I know that you and I are not? Because we're the rebels. We're out here with the the bullhorns saying, look at this, look at this. I know, I know. They must have one of those things they have in men in black, where they put it in front of your eyes and, right, okay. Yes, yes. You're going to remember that. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to be. And, 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 you know, again, if if we're willing to accept that, I don't think this is human technology. I think this is from somewhere else because it's too efficient. Uh, human technology is incredibly clunky. You know, it winds up with uh, uh, people like Buzz Aldrin, who was doing a public event in uh, California decades ago, about five years after the moon landing. And Jay Barbary, who was the NBC correspondent, you know, they're sitting on a stage, two guys in uh, two easy chairs. There's an audience out in front. Buzz is reminiscing about the moon and, and Barbary leans over and says, well, well, Buzz, what did it feel like to land on the moon for the first time? And instead of answering, Buzz Aldrin suddenly gets this stricken look, jumps off the stage, runs to a side door out into the alley and throws up. And his wife at the time, Betty, runs after him because he's obviously concerned. You know, he's obviously not well. And to me, it had all the earmarks of some kind of deep, deep post-hypnotic aversion therapy where if he was asked certain questions, his mind refused to go there. And the best way to get someone not to ask questions is to make them physically ill if their mind wanders outside of the accepted program channels, except that was crude. Whatever is being used on the current generation is smooth and seamless, and they don't even know what they're suppressing because they look at these same images and they don't see anything they're not supposed right. to. They literally, the only way I can think of it is they cannot see what's literally right in front of them on the screens. Right there. I, I know, I know. I mean, on there's the any Mars image. If you take a closer look, you can find something. You know, you can see something. So, I mean, and then to make the image public, and we can see it, so why didn't they see it, you know? And we have I mean, this worldwide, you know, Gab Fest. That's one of the titles, you know, Gab. Um, there's a million social sites. There's a million, million websites. Everybody's yeah. talking to everybody. You know, it's, uh, we're in touch with if, – if these guys would tell the truth and have the data, like Snowden, you know, take a thumb yeah. drive, take the real data, take the uh, – by the way, what we're getting is much worse than I think what they're looking at. Have you ever had that feeling that the data you're working with is not up to the specs of the cameras? Oh, of course, exactly. When they landed the Perseverance rover and they said they were going to have all these brilliant new cameras and everything, right? I think Curiosity, which cameras, the cameras that are on Curiosity are the spares they made for opportunity and um, spirit. So they are what, 20 years old? The pictures we're getting of them, them, I think, are better than the images we are getting from... Isn't that interesting? Because Ron, and of course you guys have never even met, you haven't talked, Ron Gerbron tells me exactly the same thing. And that, of course, is... I I pay attention because when two separate people I respect who really know their, their, uh, you know, uh, furriers... Remember the old expression my grandmother used to say is, if you don't know your furs... Know your furrier, where you're two expert yeah. furriers. So when you independently on other sides, opposite sides of the Atlantic, come to the same conclusion, 
I pay attention because it means there's real, there's something real going on. But yeah. even on the worst images on Percy, there's stunning stuff that no one's talking about out of JPL. Oh, you can see. There's a whole see. dome over, over Jezero Crater, a glass yes. dome. And yeah. we put yeah. out all, in fact, I'd love you to do a gigapan of, of the glass dome. JPL took thousands of images, and Ron can point you to where they are. You can yeah. assemble them, and then you'll be able to, with your software, be able to bring out the, there's geometry overhead in this dome over mm-hmm. this 30-mile-wide crater. And, of course, people stop there, and they say, oh, Glenn, you've got to be nuts. Who in their right mind could create, with technology, a 30-mile-wide dome? And that's because, you know, they're not remembering Arthur C. Clarke's third law, yeah. another mm-hmm. one of your countrymen. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. The folks who did this, the folks whose artifacts we're now seeing, and every time I see an artifact, there's a pang that goes through my my heart because it at some point was used by a real person who loved and got up, and it was was, they lived in the same 3D world we live in, and now they're gone, and we're not even allowed to mourn publicly the passing of an entire planetary civilization. It's like the, the small minds here have made them non-persons, and they're related. Yeah. There are great-great-great-great-great-grandmothers, if our model yeah. is correct. So I, what I'd like you to do, take us through step-by-step. Step, we have plenty of time. Take us through step-by-step. Step, how do you technically create a gigapan? How do I create a gigapan? Step-by-step. Step. Don't miss step anything. I <laughs> I go to the NASA website. I download the images. Okay, so we start with an official source of real yeah, data coming from the Mars. Official source from yeah. JPL. Okay, so you yeah. download the raw images, and there yeah. there's two different versions. There's a lower res version, and then the high res version. And yeah, you download yeah, yeah. the high res version, and then take yeah. a step by step. What do you next? And then do next and then do next, and how does it wind up into these incredible gigapans where I have found all kinds of things that I could not yeah. see on the original imagery? Yeah, well, I download the original images, then uh, I crop, crop the sides because you've got a big a black, a thin background around the sides. I crop the sides, uh, on each image lens, there is de- defects in the lens you've got to, a spot on a black spot which was there when the rover was on Earth. It was it's a, a cluster of their digital pixels that went bad. You might you, you mean like a like a dead pixel. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't have time to change change that. So on every mass cam right image there's a um, there's a black spot in the middle. Everybody thinks it's a UFO or <laughs> something like that, you know. Then on the mask cam left, you've got a big white scratch line. I think that could be on, on the lens that came after the solar storm. So you cosmetically remove the obvious noise, yeah. the dead pixels. Yeah, yeah, because I'm sick and tired of people coming on and saying, look at that UFO in the sky. There's, there's a few of them. There's, there's, there's loads of them in the sky, and you, and you say to them, it's a, it's, a, it's a fault in the image. It's in the same place on every image. Overlay each image, you'll find it's in exactly the same place, you know? Yeah, there's one kind of 
angled rod that has kind of red borders on the Perseverance mass cam. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I think that's on the left image. Yep, on the right yep, image, yep. On, on the right image, you've got red and green dots in the sky. Now, each, each lens has got, got its own faults. It's got its own fault marks. And you find them in, in exactly the same place. You know, now people are saying, oh, oh, look, there's a red UFO or a green one. They're not. It, the faults are on the lens, you know. I mean, I, mean, I, I know. So, so, you, so you, let's, let's stay metonymic here. You download the image from a known source, yeah. which is NASA. You I then give it a border. Then you go over it and remove the obvious pixel anomalies yeah. in the technology on, yeah. the, on the CCD detector. Then what? Yeah. Then I put it... I join all the images, images to, not, by, not by hand. I've got a program that does that. It costs quite a bit of money, but um, it, I use it all the time. It's excellent. Um, G, GPU, uh, no, what's it called? Um, TTGUI, it's a stitching software, you know. But still, that, still sometimes you get um, faults. So, so you need, so you need. This software puts the individual images together, like my yeah. grandmother knitting a quilt. Yeah. This square, yeah. that square, this square, yeah. and then she made, would make so, patterns with the yeah. whole quilt by sitting, putting the squares side by side, yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. That kind of, so the software does that with the images. But sometimes, usually it does a good job of it. Sometimes it doesn't find matches for certain images. So you've got to go in by hand and link one image with the other and stuff like that, which is really tedious and boring. But um, I love, I, I love doing it. Now, once all the images are put together and made into a gigapan, I put it into some, um, I put it into Photoshop, which I have loads of, loads of uh, plugins and stuff like that that I can use. And uh, I Enhance the color by using um, a program that brings the colors back to the normal. I'm not going to say what programs you use because, you know, is that something that I've learned over the years and I'm not just going to. Well, there's, it's, it's, it like, it's like you could take two recipes, same recipe with two different cooks, Julia Childs and, yeah, and me. Yeah, yeah. And Julia will create a masterpiece and I'll create a mess. Same recipe. Yeah. So you got your recipe and yeah. your your software and your techniques oh, yeah. down yeah. to where you know this works, this works, this. In other words, oh, yeah. it's like trial yeah. and error. You've got an experience base, and you 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 kind yeah. of are melding with the programs to move yeah. the where the data is. Yeah, but sometimes those processes don't work with the images. So you've got to find different ways of doing it. You know, each image is virtually its own its own boss really because you on some of the images you can color convert them and some of the images you can't on um the key the key images sometimes you try and color convert them and it just won't i don't know why <laughs> it just won't do it you know and well do um, they do they have in the raw image data do they have like a buried sabotage file so you must can't do. yeah they must do yeah yeah, they must do. So you've uh, got to find find ways around that, you know, um, which I can do sometimes. Sometimes I can't do, but you know, you 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 learn all the time. 
Um, so once I've got the colours right and the sharpness right and stuff like that, then I put it on a gigapan, put it there, then I upload now, wait, it. Now, when, when you say you put it on a gigapan, I've always wondered technically, how oh, what kind of program is it that allows you to stitch together a mosaic, a quilt of individual frames, individual images? And yeah. now you can literally, with a cursor, move left and right. You can zoom, you can pan, you can tilt. It's the size. It's the size of the image. So <laughs> you're not talking about... Um, a few megabytes you're talking about. Sometimes images of I a moon pan of the whole surface of the moon. It came to 50 gigabytes. Oh, my the, God. The whole image, you know. So without the technology development, you know, Moore's Law, that kind of thing, yeah. this wouldn't be possible. You couldn't democratize no. the NASA data any earlier no. than we're doing it now because the technology just wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've looked at some of the old moon images of the surface moon images, and you can find, you can see things that have been copied and cloned, you know? But the thing is, now people are noticing these things, but in the past, people only had photographs to look at. They couldn't go in and zoom in and see things that have been changed and things like that. We, the only... No, wait, wait, wait. When you say change things you mean nasa used to actually block out and change features yeah, on the images yeah corrupt things ah. on sur surface shots where the um you, can, you, you have your space bar there standing there and you have some rocks down in the bottom you can actually see where they've actually paid, copied and pasted the same section to hide something you know that was on the ground you know absolutely Crazy. You know, See, that raises another question. We live yeah. in an environment of intense competition and yeah. where proof and social media and the ability to talk to each other and show things and, you know, the, the mainstream press is kind of intermingled with the alternative press and yeah. everybody's talking to everybody. How come this stuff never winds up in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal? Well, it does, but they always pick the most stupidest things to show which will make us look like fools, you know? They always show like something stupid. They don't show the, um, the really good stuff. Remember but years ago when there was all this flurry about the hamster on Mars? Oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> I mean, I've looked at that little guy, and it does look like a hamster, but, you know, yeah. it's got to be a fake. It's yeah. got to have been deliberately inserted in the image, which means if you could prove it, whoever did it working for the government would go to jail. Yeah, yeah. Remember years ago, you found something called Data Head, the Data Head on, oh, on, yes, on the yes. moon. Oh, yes, the Data's Head, yes. yes. Which, by no, the way, I... is much more like C-3PO. That's real. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a dozen separate images. Well, yeah, I actually found the body to that. You the did? Body, the body is right underneath where you would find it, yeah. The I body suspected, is there. I, 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 I suspected it might have been buried in the regolith and only the yeah. head was visible. You can see if you if you large it up, you can see the well. There's a whole bunch of mechanical things in the bottom of Shorty Crater. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I mean, I used to used to look for things on the moon as well. That was years ago until I got gripped on Mars. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait till you see what I'm going to show tomorrow night. 
it will, as I hey, said, Richard. Yes, yeah, Ron. Wait till the top of the hour, please. Okay. Okay. Well, I just had. I just had wanted to. I know. I'm. I, it's early. I just wanted to say it before I forget it because uh, the uh, when Neville mentioned the colors being a problem, uh, sometimes they intentionally mislabel the frames, and I can't figure out what filter they actually use when I'm putting something together. So he's he noticed something that they are doing intentionally. Yeah, yeah. That is a preview of our resident generalist, Ron Gerbron, who does incredible imaging. In fact, he was able to track down the color triplets. So in his section tonight of Radio with Pictures, we have a stunning color version of the new doorway on Mars, which is not exactly, well, when we get to that part of the show, we'll, we'll lay out and you know why why it's it's different than the one we're seeing on the on the curiosity image speaking of were you the first guy neville to find the martian doorway i, don't, I think i did i must have been because when the images first came down i was awake sometimes i'm awake stupid i was yeah but for years they have not been doing color with curiosity ron's telling me that that's very hard to find color they've been doing just black and white and I, they only, they only started doing color again after this huge public groundswell of interest in the Martian doorway. Yeah. Well, I found, um, a few years ago, they used to the right and left images were always color. Right. And then it just suddenly went to, to black and white with the grid on, you know? And it's, I mean, I've got a program that I can convert. The, when you say the grid, you mean the what's called the bare filtering uh, yeah, mosaic? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just call it the grid. Yeah, yeah it's a, yeah. it's a million little pixels. I'm not a I'm I'm not a really a technical person. I just put things in, in my own words, kind of like that. Okay. There, there's supposed to be available software that I've seen over oh, yeah. on unmannedspaceflight.com that allows you as a civilian to simply remove that grid and and turn those into real color but I've never seen anybody posting examples of it. Maybe it's because I haven't had time to follow up myself. Yeah, yeah. it's called PIPP. That's the one I use. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, um, it's called Planetary Imaging Pre-Processor. Anyone can download it. Anyone can download it. Anyone can change the colors you know see this is this is so this is so brookings it's like for some reason and i think the reason has got to be really 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 big and 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 maybe benevolent it's like we're being kept from something that we're not ready for but they've given us all these tools and they've made the data freely available so they're trying as i look at this from the outside they're trying to create the brookings model where if enough of the population from the ground up kind of gets saturated and used to this, then at some point it can become official because at that yeah. point it will go from, holy Christ, they're coming to eat us, to <laughs> what's Kim Kardashian doing? And I keep picking on Kim. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, the next thing I'm waiting for is the alien in invasion. That's what will probably come <laughs> Well, you know, Carol Rosen said that her boss, uh, Von Braun, said that was on the list, you know, alien invasion. By the yeah. way, have you looked at any other of the NASA data except for Mars? Like, have you been looking at any of the web data? Um, 
What do you mean the Webb data? Um, the James I've, Webb Space Telescope. Oh no, no, I haven't. I haven't oh my God, there's a there's yet. a there's a damn broken up spaceship on an image what? they released two weeks ago of Jupiter, right. and I can't get anybody in NASA to comment. They they ignored it. They posted it. They posted enhanced versions, enlarged versions, and they won't say a damn thing because obviously they want us out here, the great unwashed, to come to it. Yeah. And I've gone to two mainstream reporters who worked for years, decades in the space business covering NASA, and neither one of them will touch it with a 20-foot, you know, lightsaber. <laughs> and I don't get – what are they afraid of? Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, to, it's almost like they're programmed. These are not the droids you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, I'll send you after the show, after I get through tomorrow night, which is a bitch. Yeah. Can, I, can I say that? Yeah, I can say that. Okay. Uh, after I, I get into next week, I will send you the data from Webb, and maybe you can deconstruct the imagery and tell us what we're looking at. Uh, Bob Wonderland had a good idea uh, several, days, several days ago, Bob Harrison, and I haven't been able to respond to him because I've been so – Oh, over my head and work and, and schedules and, and time pressure. Uh, but he had a good idea that it was masked, but they left the hole in the image so someone would ask the question. In other, words, in other words, they technically followed the rules, thou shalt cover up anomalies. But they did it in such a stupid, clunky way, just like they covered up the moon data that I'm going to show tomorrow night in a way that any rational imaging citizen scientists can take one look and go holy crap they're trying to cover up something in other words they're following the letter of the law but they're not bringing any imagination or creativity so that the cover-up will fall apart under its own weight but they have technically done what their superiors ordered them to do being in a bureaucracy and we are at the top of the hour so let me uh pause here my guest this morning is Neville Thompson. We're talking about uh, amazing things, absolutely amazing things, how he converts this raw data coming from the planet Mars. And like if everything's supposed to be covered up and we're not supposed to know our real history, they have the capability of simply making us think anything they want. So why is someone giving us real data, real images, real ancient history? of when we used to live a long, long time ago on a planet far, far away on Mars. And yet they don't say anything. Is the program to be that we are supposed to be the ones who discover it? In other words, in that great Hopi saying, are we the ones we have been waiting for? You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone. It is the witching hour here in the in the deserts, in the reddish deserts, in the land of enchantment, in the southwest United States. Uh, it is midnight. It is now Sunday morning. One day counting till I think the non-launch of Artemis. I think it's going to be delayed four days. We'll see if I am right. We're being joined now by Ron Gerbron, who, as I said, is a member of the Enterprise Mission Imaging Team. He is a generalist. He knows a lot about a lot of things. And uh, he's been very patient up to and including the last uh, few minutes of the preceding half hour. So, Ron, what have we been missing in our discourse and discussion that you're dying to uh, jump in on? Uh, actually, Oh, your Skype connection sounds horrible. Keep talking. Uh, we're not hearing anything. Okay, um, Neville. Uh, Ron, Ron has a as a Skype. Okay, this is weird. See, this happens on the show much more than it should. Uh, I'll tell you what, um, Keith. Did did you call him or did he call us? Why don't we try? Reconnecting with it. Okay. Let me try it this way. Okay. okay. Oh, that's much better. What'd you do? Okay. Uh, I dropped everything on the ground. Sometimes that helps. Remember, I'm sitting outside. Let me light up my flashlight so I can pick up the phone mm-hmm. again. Uh, all right. There we are. It's, it's working, yeah, I'm going, it's working do, I'm going to have to do without the headset. No, hear me no okay? it sounds perfect without the headset. Yes. Oh, okay. Throw well, that I'll, stupid I'll, headset I'll, away. It's a piece, uh, of, it's a piece of junk. Okay. Anyway, uh, actually, it's uh, enough, enough but, uh, housekeeping. I, we talk too much about housekeeping on the show. So what, have we, what, what are the things that you want to talk to Neville about? Okay. Uh, well, f- uh, first, I wanted to say hi. Hi, Neville. Uh, hi. Nice to hear from you eventually, uh, or finally. Uh, the, uh, mostly about NASA messing with the pictures, because I, I was listening with interest, because he's talking about things from a completely different you know, perspective and everything else and even using different software, and he's going, they're messing with this stuff. Yes, yes, they are. Um, So I wanted to mention anybody out there that's been following the Mars stuff for a long time, uh, back all the way to the days of Pathfinder, 
the the initial was back pictures in nineteen ninety seven was Pathfinder. Okay, that's not even that far back, is it? Not for, uh, well, anybody that had, anybody that was looking at it then and maybe has a uh, old dusty hard drive that's got some of that stuff on there. Take a look at one of the uh, standard images uh, that they posted there, and then look at it now, and you will see that they have replaced most of the old images mm-hmm. with with new versions. Because the original ones were that that pastiche effect that you were referencing earlier, both of you, the uh, where there's overlapping pieces just clipped from somewhere else and pasted over and things yeah. intentionally or poorly aligned. And uh, the, uh, yeah, that's, uh, of course that was intentional because uh, either that or somebody was told, okay, you've got 15 minutes to put all these pictures together. Uh, but that wasn't it. They screwed with it on purpose just so that people would lose interest rather quickly. And if you look now, you can see much better versions. So they've been backfilling to kind of cover their tracks uh, more recently. And um, that's see, one see, thing. Uh, see, the- see, I have a theory because I independently, and I didn't talk to you about this until I brought it up publicly. I've gone yeah. in and looked at the same data like decades later or a year later or whatever. And I find they're replacing crappy stuff with really good stuff. And of course, my thought was, well, well that, why would they be doing that? Obviously, the only reason you would do that is if there is some big reveal coming up and a whole bunch of people who are not looking now are going to be looking at this data for the first time. And some of them are at a level in the media where there's political influence and they can basically, if NASA deliberately put screwed up, deliberately you know, screwed up imagery on their official website, someone would say, well, wait a minute. That's against the law. You can go to jail for doing that. And, and heads would roll and there'd be huge food fights. And, you know, all, so they're, they're quietly removing the crappy stuff that kept all of this kind of in suspended belief. And they're replacing it with good stuff because, this is my model, the political day of reckoning, I hate this word, disclosure is coming where they're going to be under a microscope and they're, in other words, this is a very, very, very good sign that this incredible limbo we've been living in is about to come to an end. However, I'll say this so that it's, it falls on me instead, instead of either of you. <laughs> Somebody says, wait a minute, I've got to go kill that guy. Uh, the, uh, there's one exception, which is curiosity. Uh, as you both mentioned, the, uh, they used to take color pictures all the time. Why not? They're good cameras. And in actual fact, the cameras in Perseverance are simply upgraded versions of the, the main cameras anyway, uh, of the ones on Curiosity. They're not like completely different. They're framing cameras. They're, it's a scanning sort of thing. And they're, uh, right. I've downloaded all much... the papers and read them at least a couple of times. Yes. Yes, yes, that's really that's uh, I I would almost rather read. Uh, well, I can't even think of anything distasteful <laughs> enough to read instead of those. But yeah, you go through those and you go, why'd they say that? And this is circular logic, and you just have to skim them. Anyway, the uh, yeah, those black and white pictures with the little dots on them. Theoretically, that's a code dot that tells the software how to arrange the outputs of the four pixels that it's responsible for. These are the the raw, bare, filtered, black and white. They look black and white in shades of gray images. 
they've not been transformed through the software into real color. But Novel just said he's got software that can do it himself. Yeah, yeah I'd like, I'm, I'm, I will take that challenge on this week if I can find the software. Maybe Neville can send me a link to where, yeah. where to get it. And, he, mm-hmm. and Neville, you should do it too. We should uh, – because I have avoided doing that because I hate that kind of thing. You know, that's just, and I hope, uh, uh, and the last time I tried it was relative to, um, coincidentally, lunar stuff, but the pictures that come from the Rock people, uh, the lunar orbiter, are huge. They're so big. Oh, my God, they're big. So you would need a heck of a lot of computer power to deal with them at all. So you have to settle for little chunks. And so I said, no, 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 that's not it. But with the curiosity stuff, maybe I could try it because I find it interesting. They can still pull out a really good picture. And in fact, coincidentally, unprompted by anything, one of the images up in my section, there's only three of them, so I shouldn't interrupt it, which, which Keith, unbeknownst to me, I noticed, put up as number one, is a curiosity image from long, long ago. It's from Sol 530. duplex handle mega. Yeah, yeah, that means it's Sol 530. I didn't give the individual frame number because there's really about uh, 14 or 16 frames there. Sure looks uh, like Arizona to me. Yeah, well, it's I like the handle sticking up in the middle. It reminds me of the handle of an old Jeep right, I had. Let me, let, uh, me, let me click on it. Uh, Neville, are you looking? Yeah, that's from an area called the Kimberly 530, yeah. I, I believe he's. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, I see no. geometric blocks. I see a lot of erosion. Looks very earth-like desert. I don't see a handle. Where is it? Uh, it'll, it's it's there. It'll turn up eventually. Look for the stuff that looks like wicker. It really does look like wicker baskets. You mean but, over um, on the right? You know, you can say where on the image is supposed to be. Well, I could if I could look at the image, and I. Uh, but I'm just visualizing it in my mind. I know where it is, but it's uh, the uh, there's a barrel shaped. Uh, well, there's something right next next to it that looks like a huge piece of uh, sourdough bread. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember whether it's on the top, bottom, left, right, or center of the image? It's right of center, more or less in the middle. Right of center, more or less in the middle. Okay. I'm... Remember, that is a panorama chunk there. I tell you, that's a yeah, chunk I'm, I took I'm, out of it. It's not, so it's not I, like I, it I'm almost trend... fills the screen. There's no real scanning. So I'm looking kind of to the right. And you say it's supposed to be looking like a handle. See, this, yeah, is, why, like... this is why I love arrows, gentlemen. <laughs> Well, I have one just for you, Richard, on one of the other pictures. So, I see, I see something case, that looks like a mangled Spanish uh, conquistador helmet, which is to the right of the center. Yeah, that's the big barrel-shaped No, uh, it's not. This is very the, small. This is lying looking straight up. We're looking from the chin. There's a very prominent oh. nose looking straight up. looks like a helmet, an abandoned helmet. Oh, and, there's so much stuff in I, that image. I, I don't well, I see to... a lot of geometry. That's my uh, go-to you know, uh, uh, default, look for geometry. I do mm-hmm. not see anything that looks like a handle. Are we talking? Oh, act- yeah, I, I, I can see it, yeah. Neville, yeah. tell me it where looks- it is. Right, okay. If you go to, on the, on the right-hand side, you see that big block, right? The one with see all the, big- the, the kind yeah. of texture on it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I um, see just, that. You know, 
just go to the left of that, okay, and you will see if, it. It's a, if oh, it's oh, up. oh! It looks yeah. like it looks like an axe. It's stuck in a chunk yeah. of wood. Yeah. It's not yeah, but the shape of the top of it's it is much whole, like the door handle on an old Jeep. Yeah. It, it looks like an axe handle, or it could be a streamlined door handle from the 1954 Olds. There is more clear pictures than that of it. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. Yeah, once you see it, you can, you know, okay, you can even yeah. You can even yeah. see to the right. You can see the, you see the shadow. Neville, yeah. you see that long, thin, yeah. skinny shadow sticking out? It's, oh, yeah. it's got yeah. a shadow, but it's on the it's on the sand before you get to the textured block, which frankly looks like writing. Oh yeah, that yeah. looks like Absolutely. writing. All yeah. right. it does, yeah. It and is, yeah, yeah, there's geometric yeah. stuff all over. So what I think, if we back out and look at the whole thing, we're looking at another hilltop ancient building, a ruin, oh, yeah. which has been destroyed because it's God knows how old, but it's basically a structure. And you can see a portion of the really foundation in the upper right of that mesa between just below the hills. And we're looking yeah. across the vast valley to the crater rim. This is, curio- yes. this is curiosity, right? This is Gale? This is curiosity. Yeah. And if you look over there toward the, you know, in the distance, there's a bunch of ruins there. Couldn't resolve them any more than that but without oh. making the image look funky. But yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just an example. I just thought it was interesting that uh, oh, it's Neville mentioned it's that so Curiosity gorgeous. was taking better pictures. Yeah, yeah it's a target-rich environment down there in Gale. Well, uh, well Neville, did how, you know? By the way, there are two things. One is Ron brought to my attention that the 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 kind of administrative oversight of the Gale uh, Curiosity data is now Mike Malin, Mister Coverup himself, who I will never forgive for the incredibly uh, bad ill-natured words he had to say about Arthur, Arthur Clark, uh, that put him firmly in the camp of being an idiot in my mind. But he's now in charge of curiosity imaging, kind of. And up until recently, up until the doorway controversy, we had all these black and white images. Suddenly, curiosity has been giving us color images again. Is that because of public attention? Could be, yeah. I think so. Because yeah. that that doorway just like spread over the internet overnight. It was amazing, you know. Oh, and our 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 percentage of our poll was almost ninety nine point nine to one, yeah. and the only idiots yeah. who claim it's a natural fissure, of course, work for NASA. And how do these people? How how do they how do they professionally realize that at some point they're being idiots is going to be exposed to the public? Don't they don't they think ahead? Or do they think the cover-up will be maintained forever? Forever. One day, everyone's going to be, they're going to say, oh, this is there, that's there. And then they're going to say, then the public is going to say, so was it not there all those years ago? (laughs) Yes. You know, has it just turned up? (laughs) Or, you know what, Richard, you sort of covered it when you were uh, saying that, you know, people could go to jail, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure that they could. Uh, They're going to the put Trump in jail for doing this against the federal Oh, code. you had to mention Trump just cause because I'm, he's no, the, uh, the highest visible symbol of someone who has flagrantly broken the law. This stuff will catch up. Karma is a bitch. These guys are going fine. to go to they're going to go to jail because it's against the law. 
mean, well, let's stick with. Can we stick with NASA? I am. Um, I said God. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, I know. All right. Yeah, but I don't think Trump's going to go to jail because of anything NASA. You want? Really it has nothing to do with NASA. It's what's in okay, the boxes. Thank you. It's what is he yeah, hiding okay. in the boxes? Anyway, what I and the you point don't I'm even trying... want to touch it, Ron. You are programmed. Oh, I'll spend a whole show arguing with you about it if you like. I just don't say. I just don't want to tie up the airtime here. I'm talking about an example okay. of a very visible politician who has broken the law and who is going to be called before a jury to answer. How come all these NASA people who have broken the law a thousand times worse than Trump? And that's saying something. And are they going to skate by simply rearranging the crap in the files? Can they basically say, look, Ma, no hands. We didn't do anything bad. It's well, all I was there. about to say something in defense of those NASA people when uh, uh, Trump um, – Came into the came into the um, tent. You were, you were the, uh, so the point is no. Wait, let me make, let me make the point. It's, it's harmless. It's harmless. The thing is, they're doing what they're told to do. If they don't make a statement, it's more important that they not say anything than that they lie. If they don't make a statement, or they say something that sounds so specious and superficial that nobody would take it seriously. Do then, you realize uh, that it has not been since the Nuremberg trials that I was just following orders as a legal defense? Uh, well, they could claim they were unaware of it. Which would not hold that? up because they're all brilliant, okay. brilliant, genius people. You know, it's like there's, there's a weight of evidence. How could you be so – it's called being willfully blind in the law. If you're willfully blind, you're as damn guilty as if you – you know, consciously are doing things to subvert. This is on the public taxpayer dole. These are public okay. servants. They are being paid by the federal government. They need to follow the law, which does not permit fudging data and faking pictures and putting in and blurring out and overlaying and all the crap they've been doing for decades. It's against right. the law. They're... Okay. Okay. Uh well, let me give another – you mentioned earlier in the show uh, about the um, color and the, the simple uh, rationale by which this, it couldn't be red skies over Mars. And, Not consistently. Um, you can have dust storms. You can have periods where it does look like that for a while, but not Yeah, butterscotchy maybe. Yeah. So that – no, that's all – no, that's, that's – uh, that's that's uh, how could anything be more valid than that? The uh, it's hard to argue with the solar cell data. Uh, yeah, but going yeah, but going back to opportunity, see which loops back to the supposed uh, core of things here. The um, God, yeah, what is, I like this is an amazing picture, Ron. You did one okay. hell of a job, Neville. Look at this. Look at what yeah, he did. Right. Yeah. No, that's just a little version. You have to, as Neville mentioned earlier, kind of sideways. In order to get the details out, you have to enlarge them quite a Look bit. Look at all that, that high cirrus in the sky. Hmm. Neville, if you did not know this was Mars, you'd think this was in my backyard. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Are you talking about the? You talking about the, uh, the first opportunity image. pictures? The first image. Oh, yeah. Oh, the so, oh the uh, the one with the, the curiosity handle. one yes yeah the one with the right. axe handle looking out across the oh, okay, crater yeah. to the to the crater rim and that gorgeous sky which is so real so yeah. real I have to I have to interlude uh, or 
in truth something that I always am careful to say. And this has to do with digital imaging in general. Things that are absolutely flat, like the color of the sky, can trigger all sorts of, of stuff, especially when you're enhancing and contrast uh, balancing mean, the, you uh, mean, the oh, image. You mean, well, you mean in the program? Yes, yes. And there's no way around that. And I do not expect to see saucers nor planes flying around in the sky there. So I will, even though I try to be as global as anybody that has ever posted a photograph, I don't tweet, I don't touch up the pictures. But I make an exception for the sky where I may, uh, I may section it and, you know, apply a digital noise reduction filter or something because it's supposed to be a uniform image. Very few of the pictures from Mars have any sort of interest. Occasionally you get clouds, like you said. But yeah, it's, and I, so I always want to tell people that don't trust the sky, you know, but it is blue. The color is accurate. You just yeah. have to take my word for that. Neville, Neville is desperately out. trying to get a word in. Go ahead, Neville. Yeah, oh, sorry. A few, it's okay, it's okay. A few, um, I think it was six months ago, when the rover was at uh, Mount uh, Sh- Merkur Sharp? or something. Yeah, no, Mount Merkur. Merkur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They did post images of clouds in the sky, but it was only black and white. Now, they, these are brilliant clouds, you know. First time yeah. I've really seen clouds in the sky that good, you know. So well, I think, I think remember, if the Martian environment is kind of one-tenth atmosphere, like Lowell and Schiaparelli and all the other guys a century ago said, and all the crap we've been getting from NASA about, oh, it's one one-hundredth and it's CO2 and uh, you would die, you, you know, you, yeah. you expand, you, 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 it's almost a vacuum. It can't be. Um, mm. when, they, when they were doing the Perseverance uh, mass cam video of the helicopter – if you look carefully at the video, Neville, you can see heat, convection rising from the desert yeah. floor in the, in the bottom of, of, of Jezero Crater. Heat, convection, shimmering, convection cells. You don't get that in an atmosphere which is basically a vacuum. Yeah, sure so how come they're able to maintain this illusion about the atmosphere of Mars? How do you get away with lying you know, forget a few boxes in Mar-a-Lago. They've been lying about a whole damn planet for half a century. How have they gotten away with it? Right, because uh, no, no humans have been up there yet to um, to say exactly what it's like. The only images we are getting back are from NASA. So, you know, I mean, as soon as we get the independent source going up there, Brandon and showing us the images, um, we'll get to know the truth. I thought we really would have seen a bit more when the Chinese overlanded, you know. But the Chinese never... bragged mm-hmm. before they got there they were going to blow the doors off the cover-up. Yeah, they did, yeah. And yeah. then when they get there, they run like hell in the opposite direction when they land right next to a bunch of incredibly ancient, sculpted, marvelously weird architectural Martian ruins and they don't yeah. say a damn word, and I'm telling you, it's because all of the stupid geopolitics going on on Earth are just a kabuki theater. They're not real. The real mastery of Earth is from upstairs. Someone is calling the tune, and they're not here. Yeah. That's my assessment. And the Chinese uh, released some phony pictures, too. 
which just okay. shows uh, maybe that was an attempt of them to uh, the pictures of the rovers sitting on the ground. Those are clearly staged. I'm not oh, saying the rover there. I'm not saying that rover isn't there, but you can see the difference in them. You mm-hmm. know, and Neville can see it as much as I can. And you forget, you've forgotten the Richard, the one that I found where they had stolen a picture from uh, Curiosity's files to put in the background in one of their promotional. No, I have forgotten. That's what I just it. said. They created the poster. Oh. And and yeah. I had I had Andrew. Uh, do you know the work uh, Neville of Andrew Curry? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrew does brilliant sketches, and he I had him create a sketch from the photo showing this collapsed arcology that the Chinese put on their poster as a backdrop for a real three dimensional model that they then photographed as a composite. And I took that to mean they were giving a heads up to everybody. When we get to Mars, we're going to blow the doors off the cover up yeah. of what's really there. And they land and they run like rabbits. The big bad Chinese turn out to be, in their cultural idiom, nothing but paper tigers. I know, I know. It's, I, I thought we were going to get more from the Chinese rover. But see, that proves that we don't have independent governments on Earth. The whole yeah. idea of governments and separate nations and separate nation states and all that crap, it's all fake. It's fake news. If, if Trump has done one thing for this culture, he has made people aware that, in fact, news can be manipulated. And that's the one thing he's done that will live forever. He's opened a lot of people's eyes. The problem is now they don't know how to, to tell the real stuff from the fake stuff because politically they're, they're looking through two narrow lenses. They don't have a process. They just know there's something here I should be paranoid about but they don't know how to separate real paranoia from fake paranoia yet, but they will. It's a, it's a brutal baptism fire. I I'm just looking at this image, Ron. It's so stunningly beautiful and it contains so much incredible artificial stuff. Good grief. Yeah. I, you mean the curiosity one? Yeah, I lo- yeah. Actually, I, I love that panorama. There's other parts of it. I love just as much. That's one of my, one of the favorites things I ever found that it's, a, it's not even one of the exciting locations. They were just on their way. From okay. I want to, I want to yeah. do this kind of being fair. Uh, we did one from Ron Neville. You've got Oppie Saul 17, no, 177B. So what are we supposed to see there? Yeah. Well, this was one of the first things I found. Oh, my God, a, look at that. It was... Uh, um, and, and, those, and those are your sketches. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, the, my the, God. Uh, yeah. It was a statue of a... Uh, like a... It looks like Anubis. Yeah. It like looks a, like Anubis a, on Mars. Like an antelope kind of creature with a big horn on its head. But it being hidden in the bottom of this. Well, uh, it's obviously uh, a stylized statue. But where oh, is yeah, it? Where yeah. is it? It's in a place called. Um, oh, it's on it's on Mars. It was taken by um, the Op- Opportunity Rover One Seven Seven B. That's the Sol number One Seven Seven B. It. Um, so it was taken about half a year after they landed as they were yeah. trekking north to, I think, Endeavor Crater. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in um, it's called Ranger Crater. Um, Ron, look at that. Can you? Yeah, it's gorgeous. 
Yeah. Now, in the background of the pan, and like that is amazing. It actually has. It's got the head of um, an animal, but on the back of it, it's got like this rider on. It, it, it's there's a person sitting on it. He's got like a big plumed. You know how they had in the, the I don't know soldiers had in the, the um, ancient times had like the big plume that comes out the top. You know, I don't know if you can see that in the image that I um, that I showed. I've got I've got it outlined. I hate outlining things, but this is when I was first starting off, and I didn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, uh, break time. Yeah. Oh, that, that, uh, yes, we were at the bottom of the hour. I'm so glad that Keith is on the job because I can get so immersed in this that it really is easy to lose sight of what we're doing. Um, my guests tonight are, are uh, let me do the right thing here, are Neville Thompson and Ron Gerbrand has, has joined us, and we're exploring his work now. We're going to the uh, imagery in the section of the website called Radio with Pictures. Just click on their names. That will take you down to the respective areas where their images are displayed. Um, we got one half hour to go. Uh, and obviously we'll be taking up most of the time talking about how do we make the breakthrough that's so imminent. And uh, I, get, I have another couple of questions for Neville about his amazing work. Your artwork compared to the imagery is, is so evocative. It's like uh, uh, <laughs> really, really stunning. I mean, it, it really almost requires that you have these two talents hand in hand, the ability to see and then the ability to depict. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. The other side of midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Listen while you travel or as an environment for your endeavors. $0.08 cents an episode, $0.02.5 cents per hour of content. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, from the Land of Enchantment here on uh, early, early, early Sunday morning <clears throat> on the Saturday Night Show. My guests this morning, Neville Thompson and Ron Gerbrand. And since uh, Neville just laid out one of his pictures, let's go back to Ron 
and let's talk about image number two. Okay. Uh, and Neville, I apologize. I was ha- I've been having phone trouble all night, so I didn't. Uh, I missed some, and I thought that the your pictures had been discussed already. I um, should have been in. Should have they should have been in sync there? Because uh, um, well, I didn't. I didn't know any better. It's all right. I uh, I, I looked at them earlier in the day because they were already posted. Anyway, my number two, which is the. Uh, one that's labeled knobs. Yep. The top, yeah, okay. one, the top one is from from opportunity, and the bottom the top one, one is, is from, from perseverance, and they look really eerily similar. Yeah, there's a similarity there of some sort. I think that the one from curiosity, which is you know a higher you mean opportunity higher. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the the newer one from Perseverance. The the yeah. famous ba- that's the infamous Balance Rock. Yeah, but I'm looking at, at the, your two panel that says top opportunity, bottom Perseverance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one at the uh, and the one at the bottom, I believe that is something that's sort of hanging on the top of an upright. Uh, it's it was eerie to me that when I realized that this thing sticking up on that opportunity image which i noticed i've noticed for years but i said you know what let me compare those two and it looks very much like the same thing so that may be a thing like a particular type of marker or idol or something that's you know placed in a particular position and we just only ran across uh, two of them well remember uh, the u.s it, government it, went all over the west years ago decades ago and they put little brass markers on rocks uh, which are called geodetic survey markers. So maybe this is a Martian equivalent of some kind of marker because they look almost identical. They both appear to be, they have faces on them. Neville, can you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, the opportunity setup is much more elaborate. But yeah, I think they, I think they might be, I think they might be in that marker thing. What is uh, Keith calls them Parker markers? No, well, that was my term for the little, Those are the little bitty things, huh? No, the, the, yeah. his big Parker marker, the big equilateral triangle up on the, the cliff there in Murray Buttes, Neville, that's not small. That's pretty big. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty big, yeah. Uh, I think these markers and things like that, uh, if they've got heads in or things like that, the markers to where there's an entrance somewhere or where there's a building or things like that, you know, I think, I think it's a bit like our, our Earth. Uh, road signs, you know, and um, it could be, could be anyway. I think, um, I think the, the markers to show if there's a, a building close by or. A, okay, uh, you've been at this now since what, 2006? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, have you kind of in your mind, and this is the, the night to let down our hair, have you put together a kind of a gestalt, a panorama? mental image of what happened on Mars. What are we seeing? Are we seeing one civilization or are we seeing the remnants of several succeeding civilizations all kind of scrunched together because the environment isn't destroying things very rapidly? I think we're seeing a mixture of um, different races. Excellent, excellent. The first case was they, they were a lot bigger. They were a lot. They were more like our our size, human size buildings and things like that. 
Now, over time, since the, the atmosphere of Mars has been taken away, and uh, it, it, I, I think it had something to do with um, the, uh, a planet getting too close to Mars, and the planet exploded, which um, blasted half of, Mar- half of one side of Mars. One side of Mars is higher than the other, you know? Right. So it, Mars has been... Sub, subject so wait, wait, let me let me let me see if I get this correctly. You're saying that there are at a at a big scale two epochs of Mars, a time when human scale people lived there. Yeah. Then there was yeah. a catastrophe, and now yeah. up until you know maybe thousands of millions of years ago, much smaller people lived there. Am I get? Am what? I reading you right? Yeah. The people have evolved because what's happened is when this... Well, forget, forget how it got there because that's just our crazy right, theories, okay? okay? I'm yes, just looking yes, at yes. the data. From your okay, reading yes. of the data, you're saying yes. there are two epics, one pre-catastrophe yes. with normal-sized people and then yes. one post-catastrophe, unknown length, where you have much smaller people. Yes. Uh, am I right? Yes. Yes. Well, right. see, that's our model. And you and I have never talked about this, and that's exactly the same conclusion I came to. And what yes. changed is not the evolution, not the atmosphere. It's the physics of the yes. whole damn solar system. When you blow yes. up a planet, it radically decreased the physics. So the environment that the Martians were left living in was so much worse at a yes. hyperdimensional level, which is where life comes from than it is on Earth. Now, why are we, quote, normal? Actually, we're not normal because on Earth we have ample evidence now that there used to be giants, beings 8, 10, 12, 20 feet high used to live on Earth. Pre-flood times, yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. when you say flood, I think catastrophe, solar system-wide catastrophe. But, But see what's so really cool, and this is where how do we know what we know comes in, you and I have never, ever talked about this, and yet from the same data, we've arrived at exactly the same model, except yeah. our, our, our explanation for why is different, but that's because yeah. I've been working on the physics and you haven't. Yeah. But the yeah. fundamentals are, the experimental data is, if you change the, in, the connection between three dimensions and higher dimensions, you change the physics and you change the form of all biology living in that physics. Yeah, this is so cool. God, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. don't forget my theory that backs the uh behind backs that stuff up is different than either of yours, so that makes it a three legged stool. Then then lay out means... lay out what your model is. Come on. No 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 no. Yes, yes, right, yes, yes. Right now. Yes, no, yes. That's why you're on the show. No, I just said all right, it gets into all right, it gets into discussion of the uh existence of giants and things like that it's no it's, it's I complicated just, I just, on a different I, I level. Just, it, nothing's too complicated for this show come on that's why we exist remember i just said there was a giant era where people looking like humans were 18 20 feet tall on earth right we've got evidence i know i'll go as high as 10 or 11 i won't go i won't go to 18 or 20 but that's just that's just based on um basic medical facts uh well, that's you, just that's just know, me. My, order, my, my order, opinion order, can in, change. In order, well, this is why it's going to change, 
Because in order for that to be true, the gravity had to be much less, even on Earth. Right, and there's no evidence Yes, that. oh, there's tons of evidence. Obviously, I need to start sending you papers. Mm. Yes, no, there's dramatic evidence that the gravity is, was used to be much less, much less over time. And it's inversely proportional right. to the strength of the HD connection, and that's a whole other conversation. So really, we're all on the same page. You just have key parts you're missing yet. But yes, um, there were giants in our back. Okay. Well, speaking of which, what? 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 I was told by the um, the paperclip Russian guy who came over with von Braun uh, that uh, the doorways in Egypt are so big because the people were actually that big. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Because well, then why are the tunnels so small? Because they weren't tunnels. Some are. No, I'm talking wave, tunnel tunnels, things that people don't guys. deny are tunnels. Huh? Yeah, but you can, have, you can have geometrically what looks like a tunnel. It doesn't mean the people went in it. It could be a conduit. It could be for water. It could be for power, fiber optics. It's, it's just a conduit. It's not a tunnel you know, that you drive through like you go from New York to Jersey. Mm, it's, it's, a way, it's a way to sneak out on your wife and go visit your mistress. It's a whole bunch of things, but it's... Uh, I uh, I'm suffering great pain here because I realized I left a thought uncompleted, which isn't this. Let me finish that. We have we have we have about this. It had to do with the color. It had to do with the color. Okay. Uh, What I was trying to say was that in the case of Opportunity and Spirit, uh, they had black and white cameras, and so a color picture is derived from what is uh, cunningly known as a triplet which means you shoot through the red filter, the green filter, and the blue filter. Just, and so you, what you get are beautiful, clear, technicolor-type you know, like colors. E- like ectochrome yeah. film, which was red, green, and blue mm-hmm. layers. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the, uh, and if they don't tell you what the, what the filters are accurately You have in to the archives, hunt around and switch them and see what works. Right, and they're not all interchangeable. For instance, you can build a triplet from only two images, but not. Uh, but they have to be the writers. <laughs> it has to be the two and the five. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. the uh, that's yeah, that's that's all. I, the point is, when you find a triplet with filters L2, L5, and L7, yeah. just it's anybody's programs can put that together, and just just put it together as RGB, and yeah. boom, you'll get a blue sky, 100% of the time. So how come professional meteorologists driving the damn Mars rovers don't know that they're being tricked? I'm telling you, this is a profound yeah. question. It's a non-trivial question because everybody in this culture looks to experts to tell them the truth because they don't know how to figure out truth for themselves. And they go after wacky websites and all that, and they don't understand process. And when all the experts at JPL say Mars is dead, and in the words of Elton John, not the kind of place to have ever raised your kids, of the population believes them because they're the experts and you're not like Chevy Chase. But those experts are not telling us the truth. And yet I think they think they're telling us the truth, which gets to this incredible level of how is their mind being controlled? Is Chevy Chase still alive? Yes, very much so. Uh, you should ask him, you should contact him, ask him if he would do a, a promo for the show. Just say, I'm NASA and you're not. That's a cool idea. 
That's a really cool idea. Great, great. Okay. He might even go for it. I, I mean, Dan Aykroyd is right on is right on board with this okay, kind of okay. stuff. Okay, okay. So, so, so we so we've done the balanced rocks that are not really balanced rocks. Now we're yeah. back. We're going to ping pong back to Neville. Uh, your next image says Atlantis chassis. Oh my God! Yeah, this is brilliant. Image. Number three. Yeah. Oh my God! Look at that. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, and I I got this. Look at all that geometry on the edge of a cliff. Somebody sent me this image, and somebody else found it. I I never found it. I I just enhanced it up because someone else tried to enhance it up and they painted things in it. It didn't really have any clue how to enhance something. So this is an orbital photograph. Do we know what mission? Is it MRO? It's um. Yeah, yeah, it's MO. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. So it's looking down from uh, Ron. The best images they're taking are what about a hundred and miles up or something like that. Yeah. Well, as the closest they get's like a hundred and fifty-one. Oh, okay. Is okay. the lowest orbit, uh, but it's they're usually they're a uh, little. They, oh, they obviously have uh-huh. like presets, preset positions, which may have something to do with adjusting you, the orbit. Do you know, do you know, know what this looks like, Neville? This it just instantly it like popped out. It it looks like uh, uh, Masada, that mountain yeah. in Israel with all the ruins on top that the yeah. the, the the Jewish uh, uh, iconoclast barricaded themselves and all committed suicide. So oh, the yeah, Romans. It does, yeah. So it yeah. looks like Masada. No, mm-hmm. on the on the on the, um, the raw image, it was really faded out. Faded out, so you can hardly see it. You know. Are so you I, looking, Ron? I'm staring right at it, and I'm wondering what the image number is because I, you know, I love the MRO stuff. Right. Okay. Um, number image three. In the, um, no, he's, he's talking about the raw image, Keith. Oh. The raw image number, whatever we name it, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, this is. A, I can tell this is from one of the black and whites on the page, but the color ones are there. If you, go, if you actually click on the Gigapan link, right, I've got the raw image in the information on the Gigapan. Excellent. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay, bless you, my son. Uh, <laughs> let me do, that. Let me do that now. See what happens. See, Neville does it uh, Neville, right. Did, Neville. Did well, you, I might actually well, have right, it in Keith, my files. I don't know. Hang on. Go ahead. Neville. Did yeah. you see what looks like a Capitol dome sitting in the middle of this whole thing? Yes. Oh yeah. It looks what? like DC Capitol dome sitting in the middle of this thing. It really does. There's a dome in the middle of this. It's amazing, this image. Absolutely. That's an excellent location. I want to see it in color. It's great. Well, wait, wait, wait. If it didn't actually, fall in the center actually, of the actually, MRO strip, you're not going to see it in color. Yeah, I don't think there is a color strip of this. This is like... On oh, the, this is... Uh, oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, Richard's completely right for anybody out there. That okay, there is another that. dome. They, they, don't, uh, they Keith, don't overlap completely. Keith, there's another yeah. dome to the right of the first dome. This one looks more transparent, like it may right. be made of crystal or God, yeah. this stuff when it was new was would take your breath away. Forget your yeah. socks. There, it would, it would there was also a tetrahedral pyramid yeah. right a little bit to the uh, southwest of it. Yeah. Okay. On, now, also on, on this same raw image and other sections, there's other ruins of buildings, but this was the best. This uh, was again, the, how come we can see this and the professionals that we're paying 
We're paying their salaries and their medical and their vacation, and they're not telling us what they're seeing unless they don't see it because something has befuddled their minds. I mean, this sounds like something out of science fiction, but remember, dear Arthur, any sufficiently advanced technology, and if we're dealing with ET aliens who we're basically, as Charles Ford said, property, maybe they don't want us to know we're property until a certain time. Rich, another Have thing you I ever heard about Dr. Malin? Wait, 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 wait. We can't all talk about it. Skis, go ahead. Oh. The go other ahead. thing Sorry. I noticed about this picture is to the, to the uh, left corner, there is a dark area. It's got almost a 90-degree corner. Yep. And if you look at it correctly, it looks like it's a lake. And it looks like you can see the, the ripples of the uh, waves on that lake. Mm, I yeah. think those and are that's sand maybe dunes. why this is black and white and not I, color, because it's probably I the water. I think those are sand dunes. Uh, I don't know. Well, me, it looks well, like a half well, waffle. Uh, uh, Neville, if you, go to, if you got the original, it means you've got the yeah. MRO plate scale. So you can yeah. tell exactly how big these cubicles and everything is down there. Have you posted or published anything about the scale? Because there are people who are fanatic about scale. Oh, it's got to be human scale, or we won't pay attention. If you click on the Gigapon, uh, wait. If you click on the Gigapon and go to the Gigamacro, right? Okay. I put the scale. I tried that. All I got was a different one. Uh, Oh no! It's right there. It's right there, and I see it in. uh, Let's see. Now you can you can go down. You can you can zoom down onto the. Uh, one of the squares, and you can actually measure a line. Right. It'll tell you how how. Oh, long I can, the oh, at the bottom right it says ten meters. Yeah. So these yeah. are these are like thirty yeah. foot rooms. Yeah. This yeah. is an ancient yeah. human scale, Masada. Yeah. Very clear walls. Oh, incredible! Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I, mm. I I am I am very fa- one of my favorite sayings is from the Apaches here in the Great American Southwest, who had this wonderful line. It only takes one white crow to prove all crows aren't black. So I've been holding for decades that it only would take one image like this to prove to the whole world that Mars used to be inhabited. And we've got a million images and nobody in the mainstream really gives a damn, pays attention because they're not listening to us. They're listening to NASA, who basically keeps saying nothing here to see. Move along, move along. Well, what I started to say uh, a few minutes ago over top of everybody else uh, <laughs> That <laughs> was, happens a lot uh, on the show. Oh, look at – zoom yeah. in. Keith, zoom in on the damn dome. It looks it, – it, it's the, the, there's no Capitol building around it. It's sitting on top of something else. But, but there's – oh, look at – that's astonishing. That's <laughs> astonishing, including the little statue up on top. You can you yeah. can see the flutes of what's holding up the dome and the and the ring around it, the supporting cornice. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, you guys, didn't you see any of those interviews with Dr. Malin where he said where he looks into the camera uh looking incredibly just like Snidely Whiplash <laughs> with a slight slightly trimmed beard. Uh and uh, says, These are just tricks of light and shadow. Oh. No. Now we see we can we can tell something interesting. This is on a mesa. It's like Masada. It's on a mesa because you can see the cliff at the bottom, but it appears to have been covered by overburden, which is a fancy geological term for junk, rubble, dirt, mud, 
rock, not rock because it's eroding away, so it's got to be friable, meaning it's more like dried mud, lots and lots of mud. When the catastrophe happened, there were huge uh, waves of water. The ocean sloshed on Mars, and you got mud everywhere, and it buried everything, and it's taken a long time for it to erode away, and it, because it was covering everything, this stuff could be incredibly old, Neville, but it looks new because it's been yeah. buried like the Sphinx. Yeah, yeah. it's been preserved, yeah. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. I haven't said anything quite this uh, antagonistic all night, so I, it's, I should throw it in here. I, I have to admit, I've been to Masada, and uh, uh, this is much more complex. Oh, yeah, uh, you know no, 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 like no, no, no. Obviously, your earthly analogies that break down if you take them too far. Yeah. But instantly, it's, a, it's something built on the top of a mesa. How about Machu Picchu? It looks a great deal to me like Machu Picchu, just bigger. Mm, okay. I it's not hard cool. to find the old pictures of what yeah, it actually yeah. looked like before they started playing with it. Okay. And it's not even that old, but I mean, the architecture, you know, the style linger. Yeah. One wonder, of course, we're not going to know till we land and find the library. By the way... Do you notice that this week suddenly librarians are the heroes of, of mankind? In fact, there probably is a movie going to come out about Trump called Revenge of the Librarians. Archivists. The nation has a, an archivist. So I've been saying for decades we've got to find the libraries because once we find the libraries, Neville, to all this stuff, we're going to know yeah. the time scale, the history, yeah. the, the sequence, which era, which, which culture collapsed, which guys invaded other guys. In other words, it's all in finding the libraries. Yeah, the libraries about telling the real truth. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, were you going to say something? Yeah. When you look at that area that I said looks like a lake, yeah. and you look along the shoreline at the very bottom, you can see that shoreline going under the water and, and, and starts to disappear into the water. If that was, if that was just. Well, now, so wait, wait, wait. I see up in the, uh, the, the, this, it's got a flat bottom, a flat right-hand edge. It's got a beautiful, it's all geometry along that, whatever it is, a wall. And then it grows up and it mm-hmm. curves to the left. There are two craters. You do not get craters in water. This is solid. That's, this is sand. Um, uh, that may not be, that may not be craters. Those zoom may in. Be- Little islands no, sticking up. Th- no, because look where the shadows. The light is coming from the left. Those are those are bowls. Those are depressions. They look exactly. This is why I like color images. That's glass. Yep. The yep. stuff down below the wall you're talking about. Look at how blurry it is. That's because there's glass there and it can't resolve for the cameras on MRO. I I believe you. Yes, it is blurry. It's up. We're looking through a layer. There's faint geometry. Neville, yeah, this is so water. so so. Someone sent this to you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Somebody somebody sent me this, and uh, they 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 send me stuff all the time, and I send it over to Ron. Because yes, yes. <laughs> I don't have time to work on it. Grumble, grumble. Yeah. It, it takes a while, but um, yeah, the job the other bloke is doing. You can tell. I mean. You've got to keep things exactly the same, and you could tell by overlaying the original with his, it totally changed things. So, wait a minute, this guy it, sent you the image, but he totally changed things? Yeah, the what the, kind of crap enhance, is that? Oh, I know, I know, the bloke didn't have a clue how to enhance things. No. So, we're things. talking about the well meaning amateurs. Well, remember, one of Hoagland's laws is that amateurs <laughs> can get you killed. 
Yeah, I know. I know the kind. Yeah, that, that's why I'm naming naming no names. Okay, right. So <laughs> um, you know, you know what this looks more and more like. Also, Los Angeles, because um, that's 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 mountains at the at the right and the bottom, a whole long along the bottom, and then you've got the geometry above that, and I can see the downslopes. So this is like the the San Gabriel Mountains above Pasadena. You know that yeah. could have been a reservoir, Keith. I just don't mm-hmm. think it has current water, because I because I see uh, evidence of, of sand dunes, but it does look like it could have been a reservoir. Um, and, and in other words, a catch basin where anything will collect if it's a fluid, and sand is a fluid. Well, I can agree with that. We're down to the last few minutes. Of oh the my show. God! Yeah. So Neville, uh, b- between now and your next time back, because obviously you know you're going to come back. Uh, what do you want? What, what, what do you want to leave our global audience with? How can they get involved in this up to their eyebrows and make a meaningful contribution? I just need to go to go to Facebook and search for um, the different groups that um, that deal with deal with this kind of kind of stuff. You know, the group that I'm mainly involved with is called Martian Genesis. That's the group that I'm in. But, uh, because I, I did, I did have my own group, but I didn't have the time to. Because once you start having a group, you end up getting involved with sorting people out and all that, it, and you just lose track of what you originally started to do, you know. So I wanted more time doing what I love doing. So I packed the group in, told everybody to go to the other groups because. I post um, the images. See too. now, that is a smart man. You remind when, me, you, you remind me of Clint Eastwood in Dirty Harry. Yeah. Remember, remember what Clint Eastwood yeah. said: "A man has got to know his limitations, and you know, it's not in administration; it's in creating real science." Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I, it started to get to. Get to I was deep. Oh. So, yeah. Told everybody to go go to the other groups because I posted in them anyway, so they would still see me work and they could still talk to us. So mm-hmm. there's loads of loads of groups out there. People, people, if if they need help, they can ask for help, and people will help them. You know. Hey guys, I hate to say this, but we're at the top of the hour. It's the end of the show. This has gone like snow in the on the sunset. Days, Neville. Please come back, okay? I will, yeah. I would I love to talk to you again. We will have stunning things to talk about. Besides yep. the moon, of course, the Mars is going to be the next breakthrough. You know it's going to be the next breakthrough, and it may yeah. be in the next few months. So, until tomorrow night, with my huge moon extravaganza in honor of the Artemis One mission, and wait till you see the imagery that I have found that buttresses the idea they're going to find stunning stuff that's going to blow the planet's mind if they tell us. So until tomorrow night, same time, same bat channel. Remember, third star on the left, straight on till morning. Good night, everyone. Get some sleep. <laughs>